Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We now have a Patreon for fans of our show to help keep this going. Subscribers will become a part of the show in various ways, from providing questions to our guests, to getting a shout out on the show, to actually being on the show to chat with us. We'll even send you a mug. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking lion. We recorded this episode with our friend Arlamar. We first met Arlamar during one of our Nashville trips. He briefly stopped by our session while we were writing Good Now with Fangs, which we talked about back in episode two. We all got tacos after the session and we've run into each other a couple times in LA. Some context for this interview. We recorded this remotely via FaceTime. Arlamar had released his debut album, Surfacing, a few months earlier and had recently released a song with brass tracks called I'm Alright. This is one of the first episodes we recorded remotely when quarantine started, so we apologize for any of the technical glitches and audio hiccups you might hear. Likewise, it's worth mentioning that we spent a significant amount of time in the beginning talking about anime and video games. If that doesn't happen to be one of your interests, we encourage you to skip ahead to 23 minutes in, where we get back to talking about music. Hilarious, intelligent, thoughtful, and well-versed in all things anime, Arlamar has shaken the industry with his uniquely soulful voice. So, without further ado, I am Arlamar, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey, good to see you. How are you? Howdy. I am well. I am um, sipping a nicely chilled Sauvignon Blanc from my home here hey. in Nashville. For those of you in listening land, setting a scene, you know. So if you are uh, at home, which you should be currently, <laughs> pour yourself uh, something you enjoy to sip and sit back and enjoy this conversation. I will do my best to uh, entertained while keeping my uh, bill from wait wait don't tell me voice. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. That that is a good bill from wait. Yeah, wait, we're gonna we're me. gonna go we're gonna go NPR. Let's do it. You guys you guys are hearing the uh, the first episode of ASMR Lamar. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Fam, there's I I literally have an entire I can't use my phone right now because we're FaceTiming for those of you again in in audio land, but I have an entire list of puns based on the name that I legitimately might turn into business ventures later on. So say you get to a new, uh, say you get to a new city, uh, you need to get some transportation, maybe don't have Uber money, come down to rent a car from Carlamar. You feel me? Oh yeah. Oh, yep. <laughs> you maybe get to your hotel, you're wanting to meet some people, come downstairs to the bar Lamar. You feel me? Oh. <laughs> uh, but you know, if you're not uh, that comfortable with maybe driving yourself or maybe you're going a, a long distance. Uh, well, I could send you some of my courier employees of my uh, courier company called Far Lamar. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. <laughs> we'll uh, 
take you where it needs to go. You're talking to, you know, obviously Sleep and Lion, but then the podcast, we got Talking Lion. We have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, our trivia team, which is Guessing Lion. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to wind up doing um, Gaming Lion at some point mm-hmm. down the line. Oh, yeah. If you uh, guys are streaming tri- anything, hop on with me because I, I stream on YouTube. We've been playing a whole lot of Overwatch, which is one of those yeah. games that for years... My friend was like, play this, you're going to love this. Like, play this, you're going to love this. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily do, like, FPSs. Like, I don't necessarily like online gaming that much. Yeah. I like a game with an ending because I'm pretty addictive with this stuff. Yeah. But uh, this has been the perfect time to get into the game. You know, I'm I'm maining uh, Mercy and Tracer. I'm and a Tracer main really all day. Tracer. That little that little couple seconds of a, um, a good recall. reverse time a, a little bit. A good recall. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you do it right, people have no idea what's going on and it's excellent. If you can <laughs> control it well, it's a little bit OP. Yeah. It's Yeah. I'm a I'm a fan. I've been doing those. I might get back into uh some of my horror gaming streaming a little bit. Ooh. I know uh Resident Evil 2 was the first one that I did, but I know RE3's remake has come out. That's been a little bit controversial um, as far as people's reviews and such. I want I want 7. I want to get I haven't played 7, but I, I hear it's really great. It oh, is. Yeah incredible i uh, highly recommend it i'm a, I'm a capcom fanboy i've always been a, a capcom fanboy those two games just got into bloodborne uh the new neo i'm a huge huge fan of oh yeah nice. it's japanese lore especially in the feudal times you literally get to meet no o- oda nobunaga big fan did you ever play uh and i only mentioned it because it felt very similar to these kinds of games did you play the star wars like um jedi uh the new one yeah fallen order so the yeah fallen order yeah so people are People are quick to compare things that have like heavy dodge and uh, sort of quick combat and a lot of uh, sort of memorization to the um, FromSoft games, you know, the the Souls-like sort of uh, talk in in the industry. And I can't say I enjoyed it. That's all I'm going to that's what I'm going to say. I can't say I loved it, even though I'm a I'm a fan of Bloodborne, love Neo. I don't know. Didn't didn't do it for me. I, th- I think for me it was like kind of gateway into those because I didn't play oh, any of the Souls fair. games. Yeah. So like it, realizing that I because everybody's like, oh, it's an unforgiving game. I'm like, cool. Uh, that's all I want to be is stressed while playing video games. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Which is which is an extremely fair. That's an extremely fair way to look at it. I think like I don't want to suffer. Like I I I see the idea of not wanting to have to study to play a video game. Yeah, you know, but but what Jedi sort of opened up for me is like, oh, like this could actually be a kind of meditative experience, even mm. if on the surface it looks like a a, a very complicated thing. Not yeah. unlike you know, and I'm not segueing, but like not <laughs> unlike music, where in the sense where it's like, yeah, obviously it's complicated, and obviously there's things that are stressful about it. But if you can yeah. get into the sort of flow state, you you know, and there's nothing that feels better than beating a boss that you've literally spent an hour like memorizing counters yeah, to their it's moves. The high risk, yeah, high like it's yeah, high risk, you know? high so, reward, exactly, and. First, a thing as we begin this conversation that I will say is I am very tangential. I don't even pretend to not be anymore. So you do not have to apologize for segueing. No, but honestly, what this whole thing is about is like like going on those tangents. Like getting, like there are plenty of music podcasts out there. We are kind of more of a people thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. we'll get to songs. We'll get to whatever. But we have all the time that you have and I have like whatever. Like we'll, we'll get to whatever it is we, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> should talk about here. But also... I remember the first time we hung out, we talked about like mm-hmm. the history of hip hop and Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, so mm-hmm. <laughs> like Correct. that's as much a part of this as anything, you know? Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is one of those, uh, is one of those franchises that, man, I, I wish I related to more. It's one, it's, it's odd. It's one of those things that got really, really popular that I just do not understand, I think. 
because of, maybe because of certain experiences. But then there are things in my life that that aren't as popular that or maybe just have like a very dedicated following like Bloodborne. I think it's it's fair to say Bloodborne is that way. Yeah, um, it's not exact. It's definitely not um, like a triple A title. Like it's not going to get the support like in, that an EA title is going to get. But it's also something that has such a beautifully dedicated and passionate and helpful fan base that I don't know. It's nice. It's a it's a community thing. All of those things like you're just talking about music and hip hop and whatever creativity and and uh, Kingdom Hearts. The thing that I find to be the common element between all of those is just the community thing. It's always it's always about trying to connect and it's always about to about trying to be seen, I think. So I don't know. I think I think all that stuff is valid. I, I just I only bring this up and, and complain about it because I have been having conversations recently with people about I don't want to say the validity of gaming, but maybe maybe that is the right word, though, is the validity of gaming. And well, there's always been the battle of like a uh, video games being treated as an art form. Like, I think it's easy for us as Absolutely. creatives to yeah. when the conversation of what is quote unquote art ever comes up, I kind of brush it off because I've always hated that line of questioning. Like it always feels mm-hmm. reductive to try to define art. Like, oh, so are you, are you reductive. experiencing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, are you experiencing it? Are you enjoying it? Did somebody put time into it? Yeah. That's art. I also think accounting could be art. Like I think there's art in like various you know, things, you know, speak on it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just like, like the fact that there's ever been, you know, Roger, famously Roger Ebert said that like video games aren't artistic. And then you've got something like last of us or even, you know, kingdom hearts that I feel. Don't get me started on the last of us. (laughs) Don't even, and everything Naughty Dog is, is doing, especially as far as, uh, voice acting. Troy Baker is a true gift. Yeah. Oh Oh, my God. Troy Troy Baker. Baker. True gift. He's a rock star. I mean, he's, he's genuinely a rock star. Yeah. David Hayter, of course, who is who is famously Solid Snake. <sighs> oh, oh, yeah. Man. <sighs> oh, God, I just feel at home in the box. <sighs> that's know? a good. That's, whoa. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. I've, have you I've, have uh, you done voice acting stuff? I've practiced that. That is a no, that's a low key, a low key dream of mine, actually, is to uh, get into voice acting. It's his name. I think uh, his name too. is Keith David. Oh, it's Keith David. That's his name. Do you guys remember the, the cartoon? Oh, Keith David, like for exactly gargoyles. He was in. Remember? He was in Halo. Exactly. And like a bunch of other stuff. That's yes, perfect. He plays himself in Saints Row Four. He does. Yeah. He play, yeah. He plays Keith David in Saints Row Four. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Ah. Uh, oh, I love. Have that you looked up the, meta the credits for the, for the the woman it. who voices Ash in Overwatch? She's done like Totally Spies, um, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. Uh, like like Mass Effect like female yeah. Command, commander shepherd like she's got a crazy voiceover like history yeah um, specifically in like television and video games correct so interesting uh guess who else awesome. loki has a wild video game and voice acting resume is billy eilish's mother oh, oh interesting yeah she was in that. mass effect dog she's samara dude <laughs> in oh, the wait shit. what yes that's, <laughs> that's billy crazy Eilish's mom that's wild. Yes. That's, I wish you guys, that, so in Audio Land, I wish you could see their faces right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, love, I love voiceover people. Like, I, likewise, I secretly, like, have that as, like, yeah. a gold dream thing. My voice would be more in the sort of, like, Morty, sort of, like, like, like shaggy, like voice cracking yeah, but you, all the you time. Could be like a, you could be like Otacon or something. Pretty much any anime, like like uh, dub, I'm I'm down for. Yeah, nervous um, protagonist. Not not watching with dub, but <laughs> but, but I, I'd be down to dub for uh yeah. for an anime. 
Yeah. <laughs> Talk about segue. Speaking of anime, I know you're you're a big anime fan. Yeah. What are you yeah. what are you watching in the in this time and what would uh what would you recommend to people? So I find myself uh attached to uh, a lot of shonen for sure. Um but I definitely find myself uh moving in the direction of some seinen stuff too. Anyone that doesn't know and is listening, shonen is is anime that's typically um aimed at boys under 18 but it's frequently read by men like older men the shonen jump is heavily serialized um and seinen anime is the stuff that's aimed at adults uh so if you think like stuff like a one piece or naruto or whatever is weird then the seinen anime world is going to blow your mind hurt your feelings and disgust you um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's fair um, in the in the shonen anime Demon Slayer, I love Demon Slayer. It's such a such a beautiful story. Um, I love that Tanjiro is so dedicated to his sister. Tanjiro makes me want to be a better person, honestly. Hmm. I'm getting back into Attack on Titan. I'm trying to kind of that one actually was a little bit of a fear thing for me because the Titans are pretty horrifying and they're so I, scary. Yeah, I'm pretty sensitive to all that horror stuff, with the exception of video games. I don't know why, but I love horror video games. That I get. I, a feel I'm, from. I'm the reverse. I can do like like horror animation. Like like I, I I honestly love it. Attack on Titan was just my level of like scary, creepy, weird. Like it definitely mm-hmm. gave me some existential stuff, and you know these giant that first creatures. First episode is uh-huh. rough. Yeah, that that first episode is terrifying. Like absolutely, Those first, like five episodes are yeah, it's rough. brutal. <laughs> it's, it, well, you, you really get the sense of the scale, like, and, and obviously, I mean, spoilers exactly. for the show that came out four years ago. Exactly. Like you, you don't spoil it. No, don't. Spoil I won't. It. I won't spoil it. But but, but okay. basically, it, it it's like when you play like a a game for you know, and in the beginning, you're getting knocked over by one zombie, and you're fucking running from everything, and eventually, you kind of get to even playing fields. Difficulty scales linearly. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. So I feel like Attack on Titan, you really get a sense of that scaling to the point where. Like, you know, if thing, when things sort of turn around a little bit, you get that kind of uplifting of, oh, sh- shit, okay, like, w- we know what these odds are looking like, and we know how it's, you know, how, but it's also how, like, one, almost more brutal than Game of Thrones, like, one mistake and, like, a main character is dead. It's so it's dumb. like, yeah. and it's an unforgiving dead, show. Not just dead, like, Eden. swatted out of the air, br- like, in two frames, there's no like. Sometimes there's so uh, there uh, a lot of anime and a lot of storytelling can be not indulgent, but like frequently there's an anime trope that you get the dying monologue, that you get the flashback, yeah. Yeah. that you get the backstory, that and like it like in Gintama, in Bleach, in Naruto, in all of those heavy, heavy popular uh, anime. You can literally be like, oh, well, this guy's, we're seeing a flashback of the bad guy. Oh, he's definitely going to die in like two episodes for sure. Like, <laughs> you know, he's definitely going to yeah. die. But in Attack on Titan, straight up, like, homie will just get in the middle of a speech, in the middle of a rousing, boom, dead. Shakespearean, gone. Nobody, nobody is, is safe. Anybody can get it. <laughs> well, and that's why when, when they're like, this is a crazy plan, like, and I hope that it works. Like, it's not like, oh, it's going to work because it's their crazy plan. It's like, we've seen, exactly. we've seen more important characters than you get the swatted. Like, yeah. why? You could yeah. die. You could, you yeah. could for Aaron Yeager, like, could die. And it feels like that. You know what I'm Well, saying? that's what like, makes the first five episodes so interesting, too, is because, like, yeah. you know, you, you really get the sense that he is up against something and that he could also die like it's just a crazy yeah. like you know and it's such an awesome show i fell off like roughly around season two because yeah. 
um, like one, it was like two years between the, the two things. So I just yeah. kind of like yeah. was a little lost. That's actually what happened to me too. Um, but it was also that like I, I, I was wondering like kind of where it was going to be going from here. Like it sort of introduced yeah. this element. I don't know that that definitely cha- shifted the, the overall tone and sort of character of what the show was. Like it stopped. It it became more of a rivalry show than a survival show. Hmm. I think yeah. it's interesting. Well, that is a that is an interesting thing in horror that you bring up. It's it's funny. I've had this this sort of conversation before about this thing. Going back to The Last of Us and going and I think Dead Space does this well as well. Oh yeah. Um, specifically Dead Space Two that. Once the and this is and, and I'll also posit this is as a positive, but on the other side, I'll present re, uh, some of the Resident Evil titles as what I would consider sort of a failure of this specific thing. That once the environment has been set, and once the horror, the drama, and the the sort of desperation has been set, if the story does not develop in a way that presents some new terror or presents something that is like humanizing or something that is continually relatable, then it's going to, it's, it loses the threat. And that's what I think happens in video games. You completely lose the tension. If the game is a horror game, but it is depending on the same mechanic to continue creating the environment throughout the game the reason why the last of us i think one of the big reasons why the last of us works i think so so well is that the the relationship the development of the relationship between joel and ellie and the establishment of the desperation of all the survivors is a contrast to the fact that there's just still this looming like you could get your face bitten off still you know what i'm saying and the character relationships are so complex and so beautiful that you're still carried through the entire experience to a point where at the end of the game, I'm sure you've played it. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it because I hate spoilers. <laughs> but at the end of the game, the drama at, in that last sequence has nothing to do with the zombies. You know what I'm saying? But you're still so you're even more engaged by that point where I think a, a failing in some of the other games, like our, one of the original Resident Evils, which they corrected with Mr. X and Nemesis hmm. by having an ever present, like consistent. I am going to chase you down and kill you threat. Uh, well, with those games that I don't think they did in the first couple games is that it's just the environment that's the environment and the body horror that is supposed to be the the crux of the thing that carries you through to the end you know what i'm saying to what you're saying about last of us what i what i really like about that is that it establishes over the course of the game that the bigger horror is not dying like in this horrible kind of way with the zombies the bigger horror is being alone in the apocalypse it's the us of the last of us absolutely yeah like you really get the the sense that like you know like that joel who has already experienced like in the first chapter he experiences Mm -hmm. the loss of his daughter like that Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could ever happen to him isn't that he could die the worst thing that could happen to him is if that that he he loses ellie again Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is which is what makes that the ending so powerful. Yes, and the critique there is what is is living is living through true suffering worse than dying. Yeah. Like you got that that scene with the giraffes and everything. You got this like development of, you yeah. know, of, of Joel's. Yeah. Uh, it's just just thinking about it, I like I don't yeah. want to spoil anything, but it's just it's it, you it's don't incredible. Have to play it again. Oh. Going back to the age old question of like are video games art, I think it's like it speaks to yeah there are certain stories that can only be told in an interactive medium. Thank like there's certain, you. there's certain Christ. things that can only it's be in, impactful you when you, you can en- engage with it, you know, yes. and, and make decisions. 
I feel so seen. But I feel <laughs> also what you're saying about like Dead Space. I felt it similarly with Dying Light is that mm. when you first start a game, if you're given like a pistol with three shots and enemies that take five, like one enemy takes five, you mm. are running. You are scared. Every mm. time you hit a snag or a corner, like you feel it. But then you suddenly get like eight different weapons and you can mow down an entire like crowd mm. of necromorphs or whatever. And all of a sudden the fear is no longer like present in the same mm-hmm. like it def- in, immeasurable it odds that you its felt. own premise yes it, absolutely yeah. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but dead space does it well because dead space um there's a great video with one of the creators about the se- one of the sequences in that game dead space 2 that actually almost derailed it because it was so expensive where um there's a necromorph that's basically it's a boss later on but it's got tentacle arms and it grabs the player by the foot. I, I remember his name. I think it's like Ethan or something. Isaac Clark. Slade. I know that's the lead Isaac, singer. Sorry, that's the lead singer of the fray. No, it's Isaac Clark. You're right. Isaac, Isaac Clark. Clark. That's I the like, one. I was like, in my head, I'm like, it's Isaac something. And then I'm like, oh, it's the it's lead singer of the fray. Did you yeah. say Isaac Hayes? Like, I said Isaac Slade, Isaac Slade. who's the lead singer oh. of the fray. Yeah. Oh, well, Isaac Hayes is a very swaggy old RB singer. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, I mean, I, Isaac Slade is in Dead Space is really in over his head, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Isaac Hayes in a horror <laughs> video game. Jesus Christ, <laughs> just singing to the necromorphs like, no, baby, you don't want to do this, baby, no. <laughs> That's a terrible Isaac Hayes. I can't do Isaac Hayes off the top of my head. I'm I'm, I'm dying at that thought of <laughs> the helmet opens, like it does at the end of the game, the helmet <laughs> opens, and it's just bald, beautiful, bearded black dude, and he looks at the camera and winks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh man! I bet you didn't think it was gonna be me, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's that. the big twist at the end of Dead Space that everybody talks it's, about. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> no. That's the big twist is that it's randomly Isaac Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be amazing. Uh, DLC? <laughs> Do I smell a DLC? Um, yeah. Listen, they got yeah. they got to hear us out. Man, I forgot. I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, when uh, the tentacle wraps around Isaac. Oh yeah, with t- yeah. Well, anyway, Isaac when it, Hayes. When, yeah, when it grabs him by his foot, when it grabs Isaac Hayes by his foot, uh, <laughs> and makes him decide what his best record was. No, uh, it grabs him, <laughs> and it's so contextual. Like you can be grabbed from almost anywhere that it like almost crushes the studio's morale <laughs> because that particular assignment, that particular set piece, was so so difficult to create. Um, but they executed it, and it was amazing. But they have a. Um, they have a great sense of an understanding of the universe and what makes it scary and how to keep doing it without having to add too, too many of those additional relationships. Because basically you're alone basically the entire time. Another great game that does it that is so sorely underrated in the horror genre. Actually, no, it's it's people who know about it love it, but I think people don't know enough about it because the previous game was such kind of a pretty dismal failure it's <laughs> alien isolation oh i was oh, i was i was yeah, gonna yeah. bring up alien exactly, isolation because alien a, the space commandos one that was right before it was just such a dismal side note those in listener land i bet you didn't think this is going to be a gaming podcast <laughs> here we are um but yeah i alien isolation oh, does such what a, a great job at understanding its own atmosphere and universe and environment and using the alien also not not just not to just not, not even to mention that the alien itself the programming and the of the ai of the alien itself is like a truly like 
forward pushing accomplishment. It's so yeah. smart and it adapts you so, so well. Yeah. Um, but that's also like mechanics as a metaphor. Like the fact that mm. the, the code Ooh, of the game makes the alien makes the alien unpredictable. Like that's part of the fear mechanic is that you like you can play yeah. the same sequence over and over again and get killed. And like it's never going to be the same thing twice. Like you can't learn like yep. in a regular video game. Oh, I just go down this corridor. Like Precisely. the alien yep. will adapt to you. Like you have to just figure it out on the fly. It's and so that's you're terrifying. Always scared. Precisely. Mm-hmm. It's the unstoppable object like idea of it too. Is like or the unstoppable force of it like as well that as mm. gamers throughout the history of gaming we are taught that you know when we feel the bursts of adrenaline while playing the game that we can fight like that is what we mm. do yeah. like every game you're jumping on the goomba like you are you are engaging in the boss like every time you're pushed up against the challenge you are told fight shoot at think, it shoot at, shoot yeah. at it and like yeah. you, there's a way to win this but i think that would really like gets to me in a very visceral way and why I actually have a hard time with horror games is when it's just mm. like run and hide. You like, can't. The struggle. I love it. <laughs> Noah has a video game of me, a video of me playing Outlast <laughs> oh, and it is, yo. it is hilarious. Because Outlast makes you look them in the face. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, the thing yeah. too is like, I am a, I'm a very, I'm a uh, very timid person. Like I'm not uh, like, I get, I get freaked out. Like when, when we moved this house and I heard like, I was just me in here and I heard like a little, little creak downstairs. I grabbed my keyblade and like a little pocket knife and I walked downstairs. Said, this man <laughs> said, this man said, I grabbed my keyblade. I cannot. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm either like, <laughs> I'm either stabbing this guy yeah. or I am or I am unlocking his heart. You know, that's what's happening. Where's, where's you know, my like, summons? Where, 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 where Goofy at? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's the thing is like without what, what's crazy about Outlast is like you essentially are told like you you have no guns. You got no like no. I mean, obviously they take it from amnesia, but this is like mm. you are going to like hide under a bed and somebody could find you under the <laughs> yeah. bed at yeah. random. That's the worst. Like, yeah. Condemned they're like, is the same way. I like condemned, like, Criminal Origins. I was tied to. I definitely probably overlettered the mics on that laugh, but this man said Keyblade. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finished. Uh, but yeah, it's a... It's a it's a beautiful thing. That's and the only question you asked me was what anime am I watching? But now we're here. But you know what's interesting is a lot of my time now goes to exploratory things because I'm at a I'm at the phase that so I released my debut record surfacing November first of last year. Plug 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 plug. Listen, listen to it. Listen, we'll, and we'll get um, the listener land. We are going to get to these records, but yeah, the, the, yeah. I I would say right now, you know, we 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 have we have to be in anime world and then we move out. You know? <laughs> nah, tangential as it goes, but yeah. So uh, I re I released that, and now I'm kind of just back in a creative, I guess, in a, like a exploratory phase for me that's what happens is i just go through phases of my heart just takes me in one way and i kind of feel like i've spent a lot of my life denying the things that i really am naturally drawn to sometimes anime sometimes like there's just certain things in my life that i feel like i had been uh encouraged either socially or due to my own whatever to not involve myself in um and they are things that I naturally just love and I want to be a part of. So I'm at a place in my life right now, like there's definitely expectations of certain things, but um, due to external factors, 
that I shan't get into because I'm going to bore the shit out of the listeners. But um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just ch- taking this time to chase my natural instincts and trust them. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I'm really, really well, into I- streaming and I'm really into like learning about it and like Twitch culture and YouTube culture and why some people choose other ones over the other and the tech on the other side, like all the Elgato and OBS and like all that. Um, I'm learning it and I'm just really interested in it and I feel like I want to chase that passion. There's a thing in our there's a thing I'm going to rant here for a second, but there's a thing in our no, society go, that go I really it. really really think is one of the most damaging shame-inducing things that I think we can do and it's it's telling someone it's minimizing someone else's passion. When mm. there's there's nothing quite like when someone is wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, bright, just like, <laughs> yo, you, oh shit, wait, like, no, this thing is so cool. And like, this is why, and this is why, and this is why. Even if I don't, even if you don't sway me, even if I don't get it, like, I'm not going to watch Tiger King. I don't care. But like, <laughs> if, even if you don't sway me, if just watching the, the, the passion with some, with which someone can deliver it is beautiful. It's a moment of true vulnerability in a sense of like you are exposing these things that have deeply affected you and to have someone on the other side of that be so careless as to say something like a oh that's dumb or like that's not really cool or something like that that just that just kills that kills me and I hate it so much so a thing in my life that I'm trying to do to counteract that or at least to just like build the self-respect and build that self-love and build that you know, that um, want to continue doing those things, even if people react negatively, is to just follow those passions. And right now I'm watching, you You mentioned earlier a great YouTube channel where they break down um, uh, things about film and things about storytelling. Oh, lessons from the screenplay. Yes. And there's another similar one called Every Frame of Painting. Oh, oh yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, so yeah, the Satoshi Kon piece. I send that to people all the time. Satoshi Kon is my favorite editor for those of you in... Uh, um, listener land. I wanted to be an editor in college. That was one of the um, careers I sort of pursued before music kind of found me and made me do its thing. To that end, one, there's this really like heartbreaking moment sometimes when people are talking about things passionately mm-hmm. where they apologize. Like mm-hmm. you, That's you hear somebody go, yeah. like, oh, sorry, going I'm on sorry. a rant, going I didn't on a rant. Bore you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, and, and they, they like police themselves. They check themselves. They apologize for being passionate and talking a lot, which I've done myself a ton. I'm a pretty, you know, I did it literally this point, earlier like, in this podcast. Yeah, like I, I do it all the time. Like it's it's one of those things where it's where it's like, and it's so heartbreaking because you know that that comes from being told pretty constantly yeah. that like you know that they're yeah. wrong for talking that much about something that they're passionate about. But also, I you know I feel very strongly that like like who you are is how you react to either end of extreme pressure. Like when like you are okay. who you are when you are like under absolute pressure because because when 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 you can't like think about anything it's like where do you where do you fall what do you do but on the other side is like what do you do when you have nothing but free time what do you do when nobody's calling the shots or telling you what you need to be doing yeah like what do you do with that time as well and so i feel like especially in this i didn't i didn't know you were uh like interested in in editing and everything before music i was a sound editor so i was doing Mm. foley's and backgrounds and all that stuff for for film and like editing the the audio i went to florida state and messed with and yeah so we had a lot of cats from the from the fsu uh, school there, as you know, it's very. I'm sure you know it's very decorated. I've definitely, I've definitely crunched many a vegetable to make a bone sound. As, yeah, as well. yeah. yeah. So that was my my job before this, and I I watch like you know my biggest hobby. I would say in in a sense at this point is like watching television. Like I love yeah. TV. I on my free time I write scripts and stuff. Still, like wow, I think really? that that's, that's so. Dope. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that. That was a dream of mine before the sort of music thing accidentally happened, um, and that's why, like, I've always considered Sleeping Lion to be more of a cultural project than like a music project, which is why there's a podcast, which is why there's all this other stuff. But I really vibe with like what what you're saying too, because in this time with the quarantine, I've been shocked by how little music. I've been making and instead how I have been like leaning into the podcast, how I have been leaning into, I've been writing for fun, like TV show reviews, just like oh, reviewing, <laughs> like Al- Alan Seppenwall is my hero. Like he, and mind you, he's not a musician. He's not an actor. He's not a director. Is. He is a TV critic for Rolling Stone. Okay. And I love it. Like he, so that's great. So that's the thing is like, I've, I've found, you know, in the sense that you are like who you are is what you gravitate towards when like nobody's calling the shots. Hmm. Like I, really feel that in this quarantine it's been so interesting to kind of like see how strongly I've leaned on video games and on on television and on like hell I'm actually I'm, I'm doing a poetry book too like but my, my dad when I was younger was like oh you play piano so don't try to sing like you're, you play piano so don't try guitar like Fuck don't that. spread yourself too thin <laughs> but I've always you know and, and he said that in a supportive way but I've always felt too that like if something isn't satisfying you completely you got to find what is you know because something for some people that's just toward whatever is actually going to satisfy at least pulling you toward finding whatever is is going to satisfy you and i also don't believe that the acquisition of let me man that's gonna mm, go ahead finish your point i'm sorry because i'm i feel very strongly about that <laughs> for some people that's just music i've met plenty of people where it's like music is their whole thing yeah. and i mm-hmm. i've oftentimes been somewhat envious that like they can just find like satisfaction in that one space. Whereas like for me, I I feel like I'm constantly going, like swinging from one point of excitement, draining it to a point of boredom, going to another place and then coming back to others. Like, yeah, you know, I I feel like I've always had to kind of spread myself thin just to feel satisfied, you know? Just to feel anything, yeah. I agree with you. It's it's fine. I was actually talking to my therapist about this yesterday, about how- uh, Ooh, shout out to that millennial sentence. Love that. Snaps for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to therapy. Shout out to therapy. I was talking about- I was talking about- (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about that moment when I got to Berkeley- And, you know, when you when you get to, you know, when you're you love music your whole life and you're a big fish in a small pond and you get to a place like Berkeley mm. where everyone's more talented than you and everyone in your world like is better, like on a musical level, if you try to just mechanically compete with those people on a musical level, you're probably not going to like come out on top because some people that's their entire bag. And the thing that I really and I think Nate and I similarly, what we the thing that we really found at Berkeley is like the thing that we wanted to do was carve out our own Niche. little unique yeah. space, partially as a response to how like overwhelming it is to be surrounded by people who are so much better than you at specific oh, skills. Man, and the thing that makes me so sad about that, even just the the piece that the crux of it was like they're better than me. What the fuck does yeah, that even mean? I mean, mean? yeah, that's, that's why I'm I was talking about it. In and therapy. that's a total exactly, and that's a total like. A, a total social implication that is not your fault because I've definitely I've definitely felt that same. I'm relating so hard to what you guys have said to the sort of guilt you kind of feel um, mm-hmm. because there is such an obsession with this hustle culture where yeah. you can't have hobbies. You can't do things that if if things that you do because you enjoy them aren't making your aren't making you money, then you're wasting your time. Maybe it's making me sane. Maybe it's keeping my yeah. feet on the ground. Maybe it's 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 healing me from the burnout of the true, honestly, evil that I see in the music industry. And I don't yeah. mince words when I say that. I see some some tr- some true depravity. But I also know that some people like did I say that word? Depravity? Depravity? I don't know. 
You got Depravity, that. depravity. It rhymes with McCavity. That's what you I learned from cats. Another thing about that too is I knew a person in college that used to make fun of me really heavy if I would pronounce things wrong. And then I knew I met another person that I said that later down the road. Her name is Melina. She said once said to me, I never understood the idea of making fun of someone for not pronouncing a word correctly because that probably means that they just read it in a book and haven't heard it pronounced. Mm. And I was mm. like, yo, what? Because that's such a sensitive, beautiful read of like of people's experiences. Oh, for her, for just, you know, just breaking it down, just for her to to assume, oh, well, they probably just discovered that on their own and didn't have any context for it. But they understand what the word mean and they're using it properly. So you're being so to insult them because they are using the word properly, but maybe not pronouncing it uh, correctly is to. One, completely ignore the correct usage of that word and the, the the implication there. And two, to essentially just call them stupid, you know what I'm saying? Because they haven't had the experiences that you have, which is un- unfair to assume uh, from another person. So all, I'm only saying all that to say that, like, I'm glad that your <laughs> therapy is working. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> that the earth and society has put all these implications on you and made you feel bad for having skills that you have. Like... Right. That's what that is. Like it's, it's, it's made you feel bad for having skills yeah. for well, developing. And, and sort of, what? and sort of par- parsing so through sorry. like every, everything. Like my, my, my mom was a stickler for grammar, like lovely person, but a mm-hmm. stickler for grammar. And at a certain point I realized like sort of going down the rabbit hole of, you know, one hand, like creative poetic license as far as what you can say, but yeah. also recognizing like culturally that different, different uh, areas and uh, cultures and speak on it. Colloquialisms mm-hmm. and, have different, like, you know, have different ways of, of addressing grammar. I was, I realized, you know, language is a, is a way of, ex, of expression. If you understand what I'm saying without any, like, then you, then somebody who corrects your grammar or corrects your pronunciation is just throwing that in there to show that they're sort of smarter as opposed uh, to. I don't know. I, I would, I would caveat that though. You, you're not wrong. But I would caveat that yeah. because some people, some people, the intention is 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 truly good. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I don't mean to necessarily imply intentions, but I do mean that, like, if you understand what somebody's saying, it's not worth interrupting the conversation Correct. and like some like like the train of thought just to sort of make a correction. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side too, just to what like no, I, was saying, I, I feel did. like one of the <laughs> one one of the uh, I'm like I'm like yeah. Speaking of correction, right? it's the just like I, yeah, I'm, 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 feelings, but I'm gonna correct you on that Listen, one. Listen, I never I never claimed to be a good person. <laughs> hey, I think you're all right. But no, um, to what Noah's saying too is like, I feel like um, a sort of journey for us as a duo in the last like year mm-hmm. and a half has been actually like giving each other permission to do things that sort of speak mm-hmm. to your soul without guilt. Because I oftentimes felt if I was working on something that didn't have to do with Sleeping Lion, that I was betraying him. And, you know, there was a sort of kind of like, I don't yeah, want to speak like for it. you, but yeah. like vice versa. Mm. Um, but there's also one of our favorite books is called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, and I've said this I, quote it's a lot. literally on my shelf right now. Yes. But in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, there's a line which just says the two steps to making perfect art. Step one, be a perfect person. Step two, make art. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big kind of part of it is that if you can can satisfy your soul in different places when you come back to your project <laughs> you'll you'll wind up being better at it and i've seen it with our stuff like because yeah. noah has been able to go off to try this other thing or because i've spent more time writing poetry my lyrics are stronger his production is stronger yep. like his you know like all, all of this stuff now works in our favor because we've been able to sort of go off and individually an but um and then backing up to, to, to berkeley like yeah. one of the the best things i like i jokingly say but i mean it one of the most important things that has happened in my life is that I went to Berkeley being a very adequate piano player. 
And so because of that, I had to do something like I felt like I had to do something else because I wasn't going to be just a piano guy there. So I, I, I was going to talk, I was going to be the talker. I was going to be the kind of like community builder and kind of like be in that, you know, space because of the fact that I just could not cut it as just a session guy. Yeah. I'm grateful for it, but it's definitely to what you were saying is that like every, you know, everything at this point is a meritocracy and you got to like find your place in it. And that's like so destructive. Yeah. Mm. Where, where are you from, by the way? Where'd you grow up? I was born in uh, Bradenton, Florida. Okay. And then when did you, when did you move to Nashville? Was it for college? Nah, I moved to Nashville, uh, December 1st, 2015. That's when. Okay. What? Was your family musical? Like, were you singing as a kid or was that something that happened later? My family, I, I not really. Like, my mother kind of sings. My sister, Tatiana, is an excellent singer. I, I, I actually haven't asked her about that. I'm going to ask her if she still sings. But I have vivid memories of her um, being in the kitchen washing dishes. We grew up in the projects, and I remember her, like, we didn't have, like, a, um, a dishwasher. And she was in there washing dishes by hand, and she would be singing, like, Aaliyah and uh, cater to you and um, Prince and all these like beautiful songs. Damn, wow, that's, I forgot about that, man. She she really could sing like beautifully. She also had a thing for like, <laughs> for for the No Limit Soldiers, <laughs> for Lil Wayne and Silk the Shocker and all that. But I started typically like a lot of people in the South do just doing music in church because um, my grandmother was like, you know, you gotta go and sing. And I have a distant uncle who's a pastor who plays five string bass, but that's really it. Other than that, as it was all just kind of me. So uh, the, the pastor playing five string bass is a, definitely a vibe for sure. For sure. <laughs> can't worship, can't worship without the low B string. <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I growl I'm, for Jesus. Growl. For no, Jesus. I, I'm, 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 I'm Jewish. He's Catholic. Are you, I, 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 I went to Catholic school. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say I identify no, but as Catholic. I, you know, I, I, I grew up with Jesus. this religiously. R. I grew R. up with no the wonder we doing therapy. <laughs> I was, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> I just not I so my 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 thing is my thing right outside of music right now is comedy. And I think oh, yeah. I comedy to me is the is the as close to the highest art form as you can get. I think I wholeheartedly, I agree, wholeheartedly with you. agree. Also, it's like it's there's incredible. no there's no room for um like obviously comedy uh, itself is subjective, but the actual reaction is objective, which is so interesting. Like you can show somebody your song wow. and maybe they'll have a reaction, whatever. But like, <laughs> but like, what's, what's crazy what is like if, if you're a great comic, yeah. like if you tell a great joke and the room laughs, they're not thinking about that joke; they're just they're fucking feeling, feeling it. it. Yeah. Wow. And, I never thought of that. That's really dope. I'm gonna write that down. I remember getting really drunk listening to Harmon Town with Noah and just starting to cry. And he's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I just I write sad songs, but I just want to make people laugh. Like I just there's something <laughs> so special Yo, about." Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle says that every musician wants to be a comedian, and every comedian wants to be a musician. Yeah, <laughs> and then Bo, Bo, Bo Burnham's unhappy in both places. You yeah. know then. <laughs> Yo, I gotta leave. I gotta lean away from the mic because that was that was wild. Yo, Bo Burnham is the most like I watch. I will watch like what two people that I think are like same side, two sides of the same coin. Um, Bill Wirtz and Yo. Bo Burnham. Yeah, are we about Shit. to do it? Are we about wait, to do it? Sorry, okay, Bill wait, wait, wait. I, sorry. Sorry, I, finish I that have thought. morbidly morbidly been listening to. Uh, I wanna go out. 
it <laughs> so much because like we can't leave the house or Mount St. Helens is about, about to blow, blow up. up. It'll, It'll be, be a fine swell day. Beautiful, right? Uh, He's beautiful, such a good songwriter. Beautiful work. Um, At the airport terminal, the planes are right. landing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I learned one of them. <laughs> Y'all wilding off that, yo. I had like a, I had like a, with my most, okay, my most recent ex, I had a, 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 a um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just, I had like a thing. I would send her new Bill Wirtz and, and we'd call it the, the Wirtz alert, Wirtz alert, Wirtz alert. <laughs> Whenever he, because he was putting out for while we were dating, he was putting out a lot of yeah. He's putting out like a decent amount of work over the past like I, I feel like it was maybe like six months to a year ago. He's been on like a nine month break. Like yeah, he's been on he's been on hiatus. Yeah, he goes before on long that, breaks was... and then he comes back and puts out like six videos at a time, or he'll put out like the history of the world, I guess, which yeah. is like a six a thirty minute <laughs> video. It just just and and you guys, you also being an editor, me being a having my my editing background is in video and yours is in sound. I'm assuming you also dabble in video as well because yeah. you kind of can't not. Just thinking about the processing power of his computer <laughs> and like the storage and just the recall on all those random tiny files and just the accuracy of the like it's it's beautiful and it's entertaining that those that I elevate to a, a, a pedestal of high art because not only is it expressive and has such personality and has such like a vibe that is all him that editing style that like windows 95 oh, yeah ms paint like, like weird yeah ms painty thing that you also know he has to do frame by frame yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it's a 30 minute video even just the export process yeah you know what i'm saying if unless you unless you got a unless you got a strong computer that's a that's a that's an overnight export at, at least you know for the um the history of the world i guess and then you got to watch it back and make sure it's right like <laughs> just the you know what i'm saying like just the dedication to that thing is so so impressive while at the same time i can still turn it off turn my brain my my critique editing brain off and go, this is beautiful and is actually affecting me. Yeah, the, the, that's you know the thing saying? about him is like the production is like, yeah. obviously it sounds like it's made on a Casio, whatever, but the, it's so intricate and so well done and so like. like but it's so purposeful. So, it, yeah. it sounds expensive. It like sound, his, yeah. his production is, and, and he. Ex he talks. He talks about this on his website. Like he talks in interviews. He like, talks so mm -hmm. much he, on his website. He's literally by the way. always on his website answering questions. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes he goes down a rabbit hole of like his musical process. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is how he he quote unquote tries to imagine he's making music at a time before all the editing technology we have exists. And yeah. like just being smart about arrangement. Like you can hear it in his music. Like all of the sounds he's using sound like they're on a Casio. They're super cheap sounds. Yeah. But he arranges them in a way that sounds really compelling. His vocal performances are always really tight. The way he blends his voice is really tight. So he makes like, good. like, like I, I, no joke, so Bill Wirtz is like one of my biggest influences. Because no, philosophically, he yeah. just, like the way he puts music together is actually super, super tight. And just the way he balances that ex like existentialist nihilism with like kind of a positive lean, yeah, yeah. it's so weird. <laughs> what is the what is the one? Uh, what is the vine that's like? Uh, uh, I'm still a piece of garbage. garbage. Yeah. and and uh, and I and I'm telling you, sometimes I legitimately like I'll be depressed, I'll be sad, I have dysthymia, I have these like mental illnesses and all this bullshit that is outside of me that I can't make my brain uncode. 
whatever. But like just the fact that he's like, I'm still a piece of garbage. Like the acknowledgement of like, oh, I'm probably not a good person, but it's funny, (laughs) but it's also absurd. And I definitely shouldn't kill myself because there's a lot of beauty in the world still exemplified by this video. It's just those eight seconds. I'll tell you, Bill Wirtz is like our podcast. Like we have like our podcast, like hit list, like wish list, like whatever. And then we have like our podcast. To get Bill Wirtz? It's just Bill Wirtz. It's just the (laughs) the first three slots are Bill Wirtz. I I would functionally be okay with quitting doing this if we get him on the podcast. He comes on and he's just like, la-di-da. Hello, sexy pants. I just I know that you like your pants. I just I just want I want to know. Yeah, dude, I feel you. I just want to know what his brain is. I want to I just want to have a conversation with the guy and just know like whatever. I mean, yeah, Yeah. like uh, what's going on? We gotta know so we we can be strong. Uh, When I get older, oh, that's such a good song. Line about being young. Oh, so good. And I'm like, that's, that's just the those, thing. I feel like those it, four, those couple of lines is like, oh, that's like kind of my adult experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's like adult. Have, have you guys? Music. Okay. Side. Okay. Tangent here, because on. Okay, so it the, for those of you in listening land, <laughs> again. So I'm trying to be very conscious of the fact that some people can't see this podcast because we're doing this over Facetime. So, so on my on my wall, I have artists. I have posters of some of my favorite artists. They are uh, Frank Ocean, James Blake, The Beatles, Paramore, The National, Paramore. Ray LaMontagne, The 1975, Tame Impala, Kimbra, and Radiohead. Those are the uh, only posters I've been able to get so far. And the also, list. it's it's five v five. In, you know, anyway, it's very balanced. You have <laughs> to see it. Watch my YouTube videos, and you'll see it. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah, so are there artists for you? A big thing for me in music, specifically about writing and making new things, is I think that I'm a lyrics first person. There have been moments in in my life and artists in my life that lyrically will literally like codify my experience. Like they tell me how I feel better than I could process it myself. And those couple lines from the Bill Wirtz song uh, are like that. I know you guys know Tennyson. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So on their new ep- their new EP, they have that song "You," and the lyric is "I'm feeling high about it, tongue tied but taking it lightly. It's not that important. I'm happy brushing my teeth with you," hmm. which is such a beautiful, yeah. just domestic. I'm happy brushing my teeth with you. I don't. There's so much going on in the world, and it's so much is hard, and I'm confused. And being an adult is difficult and scary and weird. And there's no manual. There's no IKEA thing. But every morning I wake up and I get to brush my teeth with you. And that is all that I care about. You know what I mean? That's such a beautiful sentiment. And I feel that way. Um, and the national has that has that as well. I'm doing a track by track series on my YouTube. Plug, 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 plug. Plug, 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 plug. Of, of just going through surfacing uh, track by track and kind of talking about what it is. And one that I recently released is, is Cold. And I talk about how the national influence that song because they have a lyric called guilty party or excuse me a song called guilty party do you guys like the national yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah i did when i was like 15 i did a lemon world cover Uh, you and your sister sister live in a lemon world world. Uh, i want to sit in and die wow (laughs) oh a fun fact about that apparently that's a sex song really that's a song yeah yeah wow so happy i was invited invited. 
Uh, <laughs> give me a reason to give well, okay. up. Also, city. Exile. I remember when the first time I heard Exile Vilify in Portal Two, yeah. when you get to the secret yeah. room, and just I remember yeah. sitting in that room and experiencing <laughs> that piece of music, which I hadn't done yeah. since uh, Orcarina of Time. When you get go into the windmill yeah. for the first time and you hear the song yeah. of storms playing, and you you yeah. don't move because you are just so smitten by that piece of music. I remember the first time hearing Exile Vilify and like scouring the internet, other people trying to find who it was, and they're like, "It sounds like the National." but it's not online like yeah. going through like whatever it was oh man it was it was a different time <laughs> i recall that as well and i recall being like the national plays portal yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird image like Aaron, like the Desner brothers yeah, just like just... sitting in a room arguing no dude put it there <laughs> and, you know, and then you hear the same voice back no dude i'm gonna put it there <laughs> and i had a similar time um with the remake of a link to the past for Switch. oh yeah this song See if you can recognize this song. Uh, right? And I just remember spinning so many because of the DX version, Link to the Past DX came out for Game Boy Color, which I had its own colored thing. And I just remember like just sitting there. I'm not even going to the egg. I'm not even trying to wake the wind fish. I'm just sitting in the alone in the back of the bus, like in the in the back seat, just humming. And the kids are like, yo, what is he? Did you ever play Wind Waker? Did you ever play Zelda Wind Waker? As a gaming fan, I am so underversed in the Legend of Zelda series. I'm just going to let you know all of my cardinal sins. This is now turned into a video games confession podcast. <laughs> I have not played Wind Waker. I have not played Operator of Time. I have not played Majora's Mask. I didn't ha- I did not own an N64. It's, no, it's listen, it's, it's all it's all good. It's all good to each their yeah. own. I I just yeah. know that there's a song um Thank and you, for you that know validation. the the one listener who who will get this when you go to Dragon Roost <laughs> Island. When you go to Dragon Roost Island for the first time, there's this oh, one tuner who has not the one listener who is somehow <laughs> at out. the Venn di- the intersection of the Venn diagram of Legend of Zelda, uh, anime, the national, Bill Words. and Bill Words. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing is that one listener is like, fuck yes, <laughs> fuck yes, fuck yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, man. Like you know, you know that that one listener is going to be a diehard Arlamar fan. Like that one listener didn't know how much like, until the day they die. <laughs> yeah, that 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 one listener was just like, oh man, like I, I always liked this music, but now I like fuck with him. Like now I now I like fuck the guy. With him, you yeah. know, like that's the thing I want to get into on this podcast as well because I've been doing a lot of YouTubing, streaming and stuff on YouTube, and uh, and people are talking about the personality versus what the person creates. But that's that's something we can come back to later. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the reasons we did this was because we realized that a big part of why we started Sleeping Line was because of the community. And so, okay, so much of who we are is not our music. So much of who we are is who we work with and who our friends are, and like all the sort of funny stories of intersectional stuff, which I'll get to. We have a funny intersectional yeah. story ourselves, but like you are, you also on the YouTube are, are like you know are talking about songs. I wanted to just bring up in the same sort of world of what you were talking about with Bill Wirtz and Tennyson that my fa- like I know it, like you ask a musician what's your favorite song and they can't answer hmm. it and I feel like people on the podcast are sick of me talking about this but like I <laughs> I actually have a favorite song right now for the first time ever cool. and it's Ain't It Fun by Paramore. Fam, you see the po- you see the Paramore I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, there Baby? it is. 
Come on. I know. I know. Haley Haley is one of the best lyric Haley is so underrated as a lyric writer for my generation. Holy I shit. I cannot. So I so can't even last go. night she posted a cover of her singing um Smoke Signals Phoebe by Phoebe Bridges. I posted yep. I I played piano alongside it and posted it up mm-hmm. and she gave it a like and that was like I woke up this morning like a major fail. Like, mind you, I've been I've been <laughs> I'm in, walking on time. I know. Listen, I've been in, I've been doing this music thing for five years. Like I don't get weird about this stuff anymore. Like yeah. I thought I was over getting weird about stuff, but like, yeah. wow. When I woke up and saw that Haley from Paramore liked a video I posted, I yeah. freaked out a little bit. I, I was embarrassed by how excited I was about it. I absolutely, yeah, I've been, I've been very, very blessed to have some of those moments myself. <laughs> I love that. I, I actually posted it, go through. So I'm taking a, I'm taking an Instagram. I'm taking a social media break. I don't want to be involved with it for a little while. But one of the last things that I did post on Instagram was a Leave It Alone cover from her new Pedals oh, for oh, Armor yeah. project. Yeah. Because the lyrics are so, so good. So good. If you love, if, if you know love, <laughs> you best prepare to grieve. Um, let it into your open heart then prepare to let it leave oh. that is heartbreaking yeah. that is beautiful and and on 20 and on 26 from the last record pool from the last record oh. uh misguided ghosts i am going away for a while but i'll be back don't try to follow me i'll return as soon as possible see i'm trying to find my way but that may not be here where i feel safe and we all learn to make mistakes and run from then, from then. But that may not be here where I feel safe. That's so beautiful and so insightful. I think I really, really, really think she's underrated. Oh, I can't call you a stranger, but I can't call you. I can't. Oh, uh, Like that's so, that's so, that's the thing is like, I, I think Heartbreakingly that, human. She's so in tune. When a- Ain't It Fun came out, I think I was like 17 or 18. And I don't yeah. think it hit, like it, it, in a lot of ways, like I had grown up on the sort of riot era of Paramore. So when Ain't It Fun oh, came yeah. out, like I was still in the space <laughs> of like hating pop music and hating that Paramore was sort of like, I sort of lumped Paramore and Fall Out Boy in the same place. I never had that. I love that. I've And I've spoken to many people about that, I, that you're not, you're not alone, but I never had that impulse. And that's the thing I is that, that I feel like that's a very easy, like that's a, that's a very like, that, that's somebody who's not engaged with it like I, I was not engaging with the new Paramore because I very quickly sort of chalked it up so I heard Ain't It Fun again like you yeah. know really heard it maybe like a year and a half ago and really just heard mm-hmm. what it was saying and what it was doing and like you know now a new appreciation for pop and production and like and, and songwriting mm-hmm. as like a craft what those lyrics are doing uh, that just like I don't know. It just it, it, you really feel it. Ain't it being fun a, to be on your own? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Just the kind of macabre sarcastic a uh, tongue in cheek, but still clearly affected tone in that song. Like, wow, ain't this the whole song? It literally should just be called "Ain't That a Bitch." Like, yeah, ain't well, that's the thing. Bitch. I love just like her tone you know when saying? she just lands on the lands on the the chorus. You know, she just she just like it's so you can hear her grinning. Like it's just it's like on, it's, ain't it fun? Right? it's honestly it's, it's like a grin. it's a Joker grin. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a like it's a I've been. It's a like it's a this is so hard that it's like funny by this point like this is a joke someone is this is punked like ashton kutcher is somewhere yeah that's how it feels to me like this is so ridiculously ridiculously tragic and difficult that this is like it feels earned it feels earned this feels scripted like this can't what it's basically (laughs) it's basically ironic by alanis morissette but uh, more cohesive yeah yeah (laughs) oh you want to talk about heroes alanis morissette on top of that shit oh 
Well, you make the connections. Damn. <laughs> wow. That's really astute. Wow. I never, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be flattering here. I really had never made that connection. That is so. I, I didn't either, but it just, it just occurred to me. Well, that's kind of the sentiment. I, I, ironic. Obviously, yeah. the song itself is not necessarily ironic, but what I love about the, like, the feeling of ironic is like, wow, mm. here are all these things that just don't. Well, you, life, life has a funny way of sneaking up on you when you least expect it. Like, that's what her bridge is. Well, I, th- I thought life of it, I thought of it because of you once no said, yeah. you once said, ironic would be a better song if it, if it was just changed to, well, ain't that, well, ain't that the tits or something like that. Like that <laughs> Like, like, cause that, that is ultimately the sentiment behind it. (laughs) Yeah. Ironic. The chorus is just like, in that a bitch. A submission to, and an acknowledgement of just the random, weird shit of, I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously I can't speak for her, but like, it's, it's just such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. And I had a similar experience. I, I posted that, like I was saying that leave it alone cover and both she and the bassist uh, who played it, whose name I believe is Joey Howard, but he goes mm. by Jelly Quinn. And that's a hard line um, to play. And they both said something about it. And that was like a really cool moment uh, for me. Um, I've, I've had that a, a, a few times where like I was just fanboying hardcore but i had to like really like hold it together one was when julian baker followed me on twitter (laughs) i I lost my mind because and i actually told her this so i'm not being weird because she's mad down to earth super relaxed we actually went to coffee and literally cried together over the national amazing (laughs) we cried about how beautiful the lyrics are to the national i swear i swear to whatever god you believe in i swear to him uh, there's a, her song Vessels I had on one of my college playlists forever because that was a tough time in my life. And and I, I was able to tell her that and she was just so gracious and so like, hey man, I just, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like it connects to people and like you can't see out into the ether and I don't ever really, really get to know in real time when people are taking something from this. And this is such a beautiful, like, you're really helping me here is what she said to me. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what she said to me, like to my face. And I was like, I can't even process this. Like, cause I, cause, cause does that, does that moment ever have, I've already asked three questions that I've not allowed you to answer. Sorry, I'm going to review them. One is, do you have an artist that lyrically codifies things for you that you maybe didn't even know that you felt? One, two, have you had that sort of starstruck moment and you've said that with with Haley as we discussed as we gushed for a second and three for me now is like do you feel like you get those moments of that validation of that like wow you as a fan are telling me as the person who made the thing that it is affecting you in a certain way was it first the artist codifying yeah, it's the national for me. The national told me how I feel about a lot of situations in my life. I think for me, it wound up being like Bon Iver. Like I think that mm. a lot of, even mm. though there was a lot of poetry to it, I feel like at a certain point, it like there were things that would just sort of like, like solidify certain feelings that I, I was having. Similarly, like on the other side of it, Lido, like he had this record called um, <gasps> called Everything that like just fucking had like that Sam Smith remix. Uh, oh. Okay. Like, okay. When when Lido put out like everything, yeah. like it wound up being the stages of a breakup I was in. And it just like mm. absolutely fucking like hit home for me. And then I know like the, I'm really bad at just answering one answer unless it's what my favorite song is, which is Ain't It Fun. But uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's how this started. Yeah. 
That's all I wanted. I just wanted you to hit that note. I just wanted to hear hear the RLMR cover of Ain't It Fun. The other artist is probably John Bellion. John Bellion mm. just says it. Wow. Okay. You know, cool. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Like, uh, that was a very Owen Wilson wow. wow. But I get it. Like, I get wow. it. Wow. 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 Yeah. He, I just. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. That reminds me of like when, um, have you seen that uh, somebody replaced uh, I think it's like the Emperor, Pal- Emperor Palpatine scene with <laughs> all the the from lightsabers are all wow wow yeah, oh I yeah, that. yeah I that. Seen that. wow 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 um, no but Sorry. I just I feel like you know we're, we're both New Yorkers and he has a lot of songs about kind of like growing up in New York and leaving New York and yeah. kind of what that emotion like that relationship is. Um, that yeah. I haven't really, like, he had this one song called New York Soul, which is like, the chorus is, around the world my body will roam, but my soul's in New York. And I feel like that mm. really resonated with me when it uh, when it came out. So that, yeah, I, I'd say that those those three, um, Starstruck, yeah, H- Haley Williams. I, I feel like because a lot of my heroes are in film or television or just, you know, uh, other mediums that yeah. uh, I haven't, had like a musical sort of like starstruck hmm. though. Like a lot of why we started sleeping line had to do with a kind of chance interaction with uh, Halsey, like a long time ago. So Interesting. Um, spark notes version of the story is I, I met her before like a lot of, like in 2015 before a lot of stuff happened and I was still in film yeah. and she was like, this is how you break into pop music. And I'm like, Oh cool, I guess. And then wound up <laughs> taking that advice. Like, you know, no and I like kind of had this spark because of this, advice that was from a relative stranger at the time. Like, I didn't know who the hell, like, what's a Halsey, yeah. you know? Um, and and basically that's <laughs> that's how we got into all of this. So when I saw her again last year, I definitely had like a kind of like, like that was that's a full circle, like you've changed my life moment. Yeah. You know, like you, you literally in a conversation changed like the trajectory of my life and that holds, hmm. you know, holds like a thing. So that's that. And then, uh, well, so we're working on this like kind of quarantine record of it's called different plans because we had plans for other songs and now we have different plans. And the reason we're doing it is because we weren't going to put out these songs because we're like, oh, we have to worry about our campaigns and our releases and like are these singles, mm. are these whatever. And then it just really hit me that yeah. there are songs that that like fans and like people and stuff can like connect to that might not get like a million streams, but could be a, a very significant part of their life and who are we to kind yes. of like hold on yes. to those songs because we don't feel yes. like they're going to be massive like like why not why deprive somebody of a song that could actually really help um and i was actually talking to sarah from transviolet about it that like there are songs that oh wow shout out to transviolet shout out transviolet oh, she like she, you were saying that like there there are songs that have you know there's a song they have called bruises that have been very mm-hmm. important in, in people i know's life despite the fact that it's not their most popular song. So I feel like what uh, Julian's saying, like, for example, Something was my breakup song. Like when I had, like when I had a breakup, I was just listening to her live performance of Something mm. like on repeat, you know, but I feel like artists are never aware of like how their songs are necessarily resonating with their audience. And I feel like we've been told by people, like we had an acapella group cover one of our songs and that was kind of like a song that we actually did Aww. not, like it was, a, it was a song that we didn't even necessarily. I used to do acapella groups. I love that. Yeah. Like, we, and it was a song that we were like almost embarrassed existed because it was, it, we wrote it mm-hmm. so early on in this thing, but it really like mm-hmm. almost breathed a new life into the song because it reminded us, okay, we're not making these songs a for like an industry or B for us. Like we're making these songs so that people can have a relationship with it. So that's, yeah. that, that's answering the question is like, yeah, it's, we, we have definitely felt that but it's been a much more recent experience 
you know yeah. the sort of obviously the national is one of those bands that i feel like when i first yeah. got to college i was listening to Oof. to what's i forget the name of the record the one with white rabbits on, or pink rabbits and and all pink inside oh no excuse me i'm starting singing green gloves but pink rabbits is high violet High Violet, yeah, that that record. There's just the you didn't see me. I was falling apart. I was the television version of a person oh, with a broken heart. I'm a television. The version television of version of a person with a broken heart. heart. Like that's just that was. I don't wow. know. Like I went to see them live my first week of. of in the park. Yeah, I was a man. white girl in a crowd oh. of white girls in the park. Just like that what a fucking makes lyric. No sense still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's another lyric that's similar that he's like it's I think it's it's on one of the earlier shit so it's, he's like um I'm a, a candle in a circle full of black girls or something <laughs> what the hell what the hell yeah so that that's one also the another obvious go to for people but I I feel like I used to be I it's the funny thing is I used to be one of those people who just kind of listened to the sound of a record and didn't pay very close attention to lyrics. And I think I've been trying to mm. become a better, like a more active writer in the last couple of years. And especially recently mm. in the last year, I feel like I've been paying more attention to lyrics <laughs> and like engaging with that medium more. And I feel like in yeah. that discovery, like doing a deep dive into Frank Ocean, I've been like, holy shit, what a writer. Ooh. Like what a, just what a voice, like what a way to put words down on. That on, boy throws away triple entendres. Straight just up. triple entendres. He just straight fucking up. dishes him out. Like uh, it doesn't, yep. like, I don't even know how. And this the new, the one of the new songs in April. <laughs> Shout out to Hove one time. Triple entendre, don't ask me how. Hove. I don't even know. <laughs> Hove. <laughs> the, what's the, one of the new, the new records he just put out. I forget which one it is. It's either no, well, it, it's 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 not Cayendo because that's entirely in Spanish. It's the other one. Uh, mm, but no, maybe I'm maybe it is. There, there might be an English, there might be an English bit there. Where where you, just yeah. the the line at the end of the chorus is is it love to keep it from you? And there's just something mm. I don't know. There's just something really powerful about that to to where I'm yeah. at in, in my life at the moment. Wow. Oh, and then and then moment moment. Oh yeah, and the uh, moments. It's interesting. I was I was back I was back home recently, and I was talking to like an old friend from high school. I hadn't seen her in a really long time. We were just kind of talking about music, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Yeah, like uh, your song, uh, stop it." Like uh, it, it it really. It, I was it was wow. it, it was it encapsulated exactly what I was going through, and, and it, like I was exactly what I was mm-hmm. living in a certain moment. And she was like, "Thank you for that." And I kind of brushed it off because I'm just like, "Yeah, whatever. It's an old song. Like I don't really think about it anymore." Mm-hmm. But like the more because I reflect on that, like it was it was yeah. a really powerful like thing to just have someone who knew me before all of this like project started just be like yeah that that song that you guys wow. put out like really like meant something to me yeah that's the, beautiful the the interviewee has become the interviewer <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs> you flipped the script yeah i've i've been told that before on other things i just think it's i mean i think it's interesting i think people are interesting i think listening to the perspectives of people who make stuff i hate the word artists and what this industry has done to it but the perspective of people who have like who make stuff and who probably go through a lot of the just anguish i guess that i also go through just to to in the attempt to try to make something that we believe is truly good um, or, or effective is, I think it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And that's, what's cool about the fact that, that people do listen to podcasts and that we can actually still get long form like this. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's one of the reasons so, we did it is because oftentimes like, you know, like the art artists, like, you know, big artists, or even like, you know, obviously the big writers and producers on and the writer is like, there's something to be said about the artists kind of in the, the mid levels of like not doing the arenas necessarily, but like also yeah. not just starting out. Like we, we, in everybody that we've had on the show has a career in this. Like everybody like yeah. has been through the ringer and has come out like, you know, 
Shout out to the homie Fangs one time. Yeah, you know, it's like like it's they've been in this thing and but they're still in the middle of whatever it is that they're doing. And so I feel like so much of what this podcast has been is been being like giving a long form platform in the way that you would give like somebody like Phineas or like somebody like Halsey or whatever, yeah. but giving a platform for like us to like talk about what it's like to like just figure this out and grow up in this world and grow up as an artist and come into your own as an artist because this is not the after story this is the middle of the story yeah and that's like the current happening yes i feel like that's that was a big reason why we we started this thing um but i'm I'm also you know i'm thinking and the sort of nice kind of full circle on this particular (laughs) interview is that like our second guest on here was actually jake was fangs yeah um Mm -hmm. And what's what's so funny that was actually is actually how I heard about this podcast. <laughs> well, I, I love that he he tells the story of all of you guys like like working together in Nashville yeah. and like how he first <laughs> met you and like he said he yeah. I think he described you doing like a flip over, like a somersault <laughs> over like a table or something. That's, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember that specifically, but that that sounds that's on that's on brand. Yeah. How, how did you wind up with with like the Chris and and uh, and Fangs crew? We yeah, we all worked at South by Sea as you know. If you go back and listen to that podcast, blah, 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 blah. Um, that because if you're in if you're if you're two hours in, you're in it by this point. <laughs> you might as well you might as well just subscribe because you're in it. But I met Jake back at South by Sea, and I also met. Um, Chris Klein back in Orlando when we lived there back in this in 2015 before we moved up here. But we really only kind of like got to know each other when we all worked at South by Southwest. Well, what's so, what's yeah. funny is so we went to Nashville a total of of twice. Uh, one was on a on a kind of whim in March, uh, actually around our spring break. Um, we both were just kind of going through it mm-hmm. and just needed some time away from Boston and. We were friends with Kate and Katie from at the time Sonder and now Mila, so we stayed with them. Yep. And you know, we we kind of just we got a lay of the land. We met Chris, um, but we more or less kind of just like stayed at the house um, and just took a break from from everything. But I remember, like, you know, at the time, like. It was maybe a couple of months after Frustrated came out. And that was a that was a big song for us. Like that song, mm-hmm. we had just sort of started our project and like it was a, a big influence and sort of opened up the that kind of sonic world for us. Yeah. Heavy hitting future bass. Uh, yeah, yeah you know, and, and so that yeah. that was the thing is like what we I think it came up on like Frustrated came up on Shuffle while we were like with Kate and Katie and like they sort of, you know, offhandedly been like, oh, that's our boy Reggie. And like Noah and I both gave each other like a look like, your boy? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> like, you know, like we were, we were like, oh, oh, oh my God. But then the uh, the second, go, but we didn't meet the first time we were in, in Nashville. The second go around, we had the session with Jake for the Good Now session. Yeah, and I remember. what was, you know, and, and what was great was that like we were str- like, struggling with this one line like it was we had five minutes left before incidentally Chaz Cardigan at the time Spaz Cardigan but Chaz Cardigan was the next one up yeah he's a good guy he's great yeah so he he was he was coming in he was super nice like he wasn't trying to kick us out but like it was you know our time was running out we were you know stressing and you come in and Noah and I both gave each other a look like we gotta keep our cool man like uh, <laughs> like like we we both really like this guy we yeah, both really like his yeah, music yeah. but we need to write this line and we can't we can't give away that we are a little bit starstruck at the moment we just need <laughs> we just need to like we just need to like let this go like we have to like do our yeah. job right now and then like as we're like you know crunching the thing you throw out the line like you have the line and <laughs> <laughs> I love it you're like you're like 
I don't want any credit. And then you like, you're like, I gotta run. Because that's y'all's baby. Yeah. I mean, if if I can contribute, it's y'all, but it's, it's it's good, but it's y'all's baby. It's funny. I never, I literally, that shit literally never crosses my mind. <laughs> I have a deep fear of being arrogant, to be honest. So I don't. I feel that. I don't think about that shit. I just don't even entertain it. It's not, it's not a modest, it's not a humble brag. It's like, I just don't even entertain it. I don't even let the, the, the idea of celebrity and that bullshit into my brain. So, and, but I, oh, that, that is to say though, the, the, the difficult part about that though, is that it often comes across as flippant and often comes across as like me not caring about that, how much other people care about the work that I'm involved in. And I never mean it to seem that way. Um, but I know that intention is different than, than affect, but. Well, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard balance. I think, you know, it's, it's like trying, trying to yeah. find like, okay, you can be passionate you can also be knowledgeable. I think there's, there's a stigma around being knowledgeable about something, you know, I'll oftentimes like ask somebody a question that I know the answer to. So I don't come off as like the guy being like, did you know, like, mm, you know, the actually guy. Yeah. yeah. The actually, you know, but, yeah. but, and that's the thing is that that works up until somebody doesn't actually know the thing. And then you have to admit you presented a question knowing mm. the answer, like, you know, just to sort of sidestep around being that person, you know? Yeah, I think I've really, really been there and I've done a lot of minimizing of, of the self in in my life. And I'm in a place now where I'm like, listen, another person's reaction to that is not, it has nothing to do with me. It's, and nor is it my responsibility, nor can I control it. At a certain point, it's like the completion of the thing to its best is what's most important, not whether or not somebody in the room likes me or gives a shit about how I feel about a certain thing. That said, I know that that is a relatively, <laughs> shall we say, abrasive at best a way to look at things. But to me, and this kind of goes back to a thing that you were saying earlier about not believing or being like uh, uh, taking it back when somebody that you've known for a long time says that your music or your thoughts were effective to them mm -hmm. or like helped them in one way. My fundamental belief about music is that music is a service industry. Mm, yeah. um, we are not here to be celebrities. We're not here to be fucking stars. All that money stuff is bullshit and fame does not exist, but it's some weird socially agreed upon thing. And now I sound like some conspiracy theorist. Or something, <laughs> but, but I do believe that, man. Music is a service industry and it's not about getting famous or whatever that bullshit is. It's about the moment. Like for me, that band, and I always get shit for this. People always make fun of me, but I don't care. It's stained. That band hmm. helped me through so, so, so much. Like those guys and their lyrics, like, I never learned to work things out, but all we ever do is ever seem to do is shout. And then I find that you hear through your eyes is the next, is the next uh, lyric of that. And I just remember some of those lyrics just being like, wow, that's really, really how I feel. F fam, I still, Linkin Park, Follow Troy, yo, yo, Link, Muse, all that uh, stuff. Say it anything all just for comes me. Back to me. Do you know Say Anything? <laughs> yeah. Alive in the theory of love. <laughs> Hell no. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, one, no, excellent no. That's impression. Not, that's not me mocking. That's me like attempting. I can't do, isn't Max Bemis? Max Bemis, right? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't do the vocal. He has, he has, he has <laughs> this beautiful this beautiful song um, called Cemetery, which is about it's somehow it's somehow managed like this Stop. song I'm gonna cry. manages to <laughs> to like 
yeah. go into arguments about like afterlife and religion in the context yeah. of like being suicidal, but then sort of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And then like meeting somebody who really just changes your entire viewpoint, even if you don't necessarily agree with them. And he does it in three mm-hmm. verses. And it's like, I love that. Like the soft, like the soft, like last verse is, um, I'll face the one who made my disgusting heart from a lump of clay. Should he ask what got me through? Should he ask me it was you? And then his wife yeah. sings on the song with him at the yeah. at the last chorus. It's just Extra such a heavy. Uh, yeah. It's like how it's like how Karen edits all the nationals lyrics. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like on yeah. that song, oh, you, uh the ten- the Tennyson song. Uh, his girlfriend is singing <laughs> on that really cute moment. I'm happy brushing my teeth with you. <laughs> you know, in her accent. It's, yeah, it's very, very candid, very beautiful. Yeah, man. But um, <laughs> in, in this, in the spirit of kind of like reflecting on that stuff, like I, you know, you did your genius video, you did a bunch of stuff. You talked yeah. about frustrated ad, ad nauseum, but mm-hmm. what I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really curious about the song is how do you feel about it looking back now like how do you feel like that was that was a big song that like that was the first sort of dip into you know dive into the water of this this world you know um in in a sense like whatever it is yeah how do you feel about (laughs) it now looking back i love it still i feel the same i get that question sometimes actually no people will phrase it more as like are you tired of performing it (laughs) no no not at all um i do this thing where before i put out a new record a new piece of music. I always like go back and listen to my old stuff all the way back to like the EPs I was putting out when I was like 16 and stuff. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I just, I listen to that song and I'm like, that dude's not lying. You know, mm. I'm, I may not be completely that person anymore, but to me, it's like, a, it's a, it's a snapshot. It's a photograph. It's like a man. I remember who that person was. And I remember why I needed to write that and why I thought it was so important did I know that it was going to be popular and change my life? Absolutely not. Not by any stretch. I, if there's any portion of, of a job title or any portion of the industry that I know that I could not be, it's an A&R. <laughs> we get it wrong every time. We get it wrong. I'd, I'd swing it and miss. In fact, ask Chris Klein. There was a joke when we all worked at, um, at South by Sea that I, Reggie will always be able to guess the second single, but not the lead single. <laughs> <laughs> the song that Reggie likes is always going to be the second single, not the first one. But um, yeah, no, I still, I, it's still truthful to me. It's not, I mean, I wasn't lying on it. So it's, it doesn't even matter for me to feel a certain way. It's just like, I feel like I like, I kind of react to it in real time with the audience. And it's definitely going to be that way again. Now, like once we all get out performing again, uh, performing again, once all this like coronavirus stuff is over, once people are like comfortable being in venues and comfortable yeah. going to shows and stuff like that, it's going to be like reliving it in real time. So, because I will have not performed that for an audience that reacted in it, that'll react in a certain relatively predictable way because the song is co- popular. It's going to be like a, oh, 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 damn. Oh no, we love this. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh no, this is fun. <laughs> You know, when the, the drums hit and everything live. So. Well, I saw, I saw you at Moroccan, yeah. and I thought what was really cool about the Moroccan Lounge show. Oh, oh, oh Moroccan Lounge, let's get on, to, on top oh, of that just, was when I started it over. Yeah, dude, and like, yeah, you, dude, your light, your lights were sick. But I just, I, I think my favorite part <laughs> oh about seeing God. you at Moroccan was was having people recognize songs that they yeah. didn't necessarily realize was you. Like there yeah. were, you know, like mm-hmm. feature stuff that you've done, like other stuff that you've done, but also just like older yeah. sort of songs because you've definitely evolved as an artist. But there's also still that through yeah. line. I think. 
what's so funny was just sort of seeing people react to the old and the new and the feature yeah. and like whatever in all of these very sort of like specific specific kind of ways, you know. Um, I, I'll say one of the things that inspired me the most about the Nashville trip was mm -hmm. uh, Chris Klein showed me a photo. It was like you, Marniago. Um, I know exactly what photo you're talking about already. Ash, like all on a roof, you know. And when we had just gotten there and it's black and white and we're all crouched. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and I remember what Chris said about it. He said that that photo felt like lightning in a bottle. And there is, mm. you know, and that was like, hell, like, you know, Ash is having a moment like now, like that was before a lot of stuff for, you know, both of you guys and everything. But there was something that really resonated with me about this idea that like, you're just like, everybody's making music with their friends and everybody's just making mm -hmm. music with like the people they trust and they love. And then, but they could also be these, these lightning the model moments of yeah. like culture influence, like cult, people with cultural influence, like just having a drink together, you know, kind of like midnight yeah. in Paris or whatever. And I think back to that Nashville trip, you know, like I, I <laughs> shout out to Owen, second time Owen Wilson has come up in this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I remember that Nashville trip. Like I saw, I saw Josie Dunn, like you know, uh, performing in a lawn. Wait, is that Owen or is that Luke? Sorry. I no, that's know. Owen. That's Owen Wilson. Yeah. yeah. No, but I saw, you know, it was like Chaz Cardigan was there. Like I saw Josie Dunn. Like, like all, you know, all these people that we're interacting with are going to have, you know these moments in their life. And I just, I, I think the way that Chris described it as like lightning in a bottle was really, um, not just like really apropos. Yeah. Chris is a great talent at that. Yeah. It influenced me. It really like, I'm like, I, I want that feeling. I want the feeling that like I'm seeing these, these people who are, who are going to change the world, uh, just a couple mm -hmm. minutes before they do, you know, I think that is a beautiful, beautiful, um, sentiment and that there's such an, a, lovely optimism in that in that sentiment but if i have any advice as the old the resident old head <laughs> here is to do not chase that feeling it's not a thing that exists it's only a thing that rep that it is this exists in retrospect yeah it's not a real thing it, to me i think the and I, re I remember that show and i remember that night that was the first uh show that i'd ever been to in nashville and it was very very recently after i moved it was chris was chris martiniago um, for those of you in listening land who are still listening, shout out to you because you're a marathoner. <laughs> Get some water. Maybe stand up and stretch if you're sitting. <laughs> but um, that was uh, the time where Chris Martiniago was judging the Music City Mayhem. And I th I think the Weeks won that year. I don't know. But um, yeah, Chris had Chris Martiniago had moved here before me and was introducing me to people and or at least talking about what I was doing before I'd moved to Nashville. And so that was the first show where I came and like, was like it was a face of the name sort of and so we decided to take a picture to kind of commemorate that first show and just oh man we all made it out of florida we're all like doing our thing <laughs> like wow cool you know what i'm saying none of it had to do with frustrated none of it had to do with chris getting a job at atlantic or martin yago getting a job at atlantic none of it had to do with chris klein going on and doing the things that he's doing now up in new york it was all just like we love each other. I think we kind of all instinctually knew that that was not all going to last. Like the time was not all going to last where we're all just working together and kind of uh, sort of struggling together. There's a beauty in that struggle. Tame Impala talks about it on his new record. I think the song is called Lost in Yesterday. I can't remember the um, the lyrics specifically, but... Um, What's the Stephen Falk uh, quote? Uh, the thing they don't tell you is the struggle is the best part, but only kind of. Yeah. Uh, the, the Say that again? I'm sorry. The, the, the thing they don't tell you is that the struggle is the best part, but only kind of. Yeah, wow. Who is that by? It's by Stephen Falk. He's the creator of the show You're the Worst. 
and a couple other huh. like you worked wow. on orange. I've never heard of either of those things. Yo, fam, put me on game. Hit me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's put it's me on game. My favorite television show of all time. So I would recommend. Strongly recommend. Ah, okay. I didn't know. Uh, a show that I've been going back to is SNL, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, because I'm now I'm just realizing now that John Mulaney is hilarious. Oh, and oh he's man. Extraordinarily yeah. intelligent. Yep. Have you watched Mike Birbiglia? Um, Dude, I just had a, like a three-hour conversation with my friend Gia Roche. Shout out to Gia if she's listening about how much she loves narrative comedy and how Mike Birbiglia is yes. the perfect melding of. Yeah, I believe she said he's the perfect melding of narrative and situational comedy. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. My girlfriend's <laughs> yeah. boyfriend, I consider one of one of my favorite movies. Like so, so good even though it's just a stand-up yes. special i consider it my favorite movie because you're there with him you're feeling i think everything i think he classifies it as a, it short makes pl- you as a play legit. he makes you stage play. as sad as he was in that story yeah, oh my god and then is so gracious as to bring you back out with the jokes and so he, gracious and it's so funny i mean i've seen it yeah. now maybe 11 times like i it's i've seen it a, an absurd <laughs> number of times and That's it still awesome. gets to me it still makes it's like it's my comfort food i think i've seen it once it's my third there date movie too it's like it's like if it's we're gonna third date movie. I, I'm like, <laughs> yo, are we all single here? Uh, yeah. At the moment, yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's hilarious. I don't have any plans. I don't know how to do any of that. I'm terrible at dating. <laughs> I uh, mean, same. same. <laughs> we're not. That's another podcast in itself. But yeah, Chris was Chris was very very uh, gracious, and Chris is very good at um, codifying a lot of those moments. Codifying, codifying. I don't know. But he, um, he's very not going to correct your pronunciation. Not going to correct your pronunciation because we've learned. We've learned. (laughs) Um, Well, also, you know, speaking of of you know mutual friends, you you have a song with brass tracks. Yes, I'm all right. I'm all right. Not sorry. That song slams. Um, I so like a little context here. Like, grew up like jamming out to brass. I mean, grew up is like, I mean, like in high school and like early college. You mean like 2013 through 2016 SoundCloud? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, essentially. Because he gods. was also doing stuff with, they, they, they were doing stuff with Lido. Lido and Bear Sun and all those Next mm-hmm. Wave Records cats. And, yeah. yeah. I feel the Father same. Father dude. Father dude, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. the, there was the grammatic, like my, my best friend uh, was like a huge grammatic fan. So pretty much everything that like existed adjacent to it. Um, yeah. was also like the thing. And then we, we got hit up to, uh, open for brass tracks in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. so that was like where we first met, like that whole crew, uh, like with Sinatra and Ivan, like, and Connor, um, and Barber and Barber. Oh boy. But Barber's insane. So yeah, dude. And also Joe, their tour manager who also yeah. happened to be our neighbor. <laughs> like, like hey, Joe. The, the, our mugs are mostly his wife's like, wow. Shout out like to when Joe. we, when we moved out here, they're like, we have all this <laughs> yeah. stuff for you. You're our new neighbor. Like have all this, like, he was a food processor. They gave us a food <laughs> processor. Joe hooked dope. us up. Joe, for y'all, those of y'all in listening land, Joe is dope because Joe, you look at him and like, that dude looks like a bouncer. Like, yeah. he's yeah. like the shit out of you. And he looks like he's hella mean, but he's actually mad nice and loves his wife so much oh my god well that's the thing when i when we met joe at the at the boston show i was definitely like like nervous of him like we were obviously like the opener band like these kids just trying to like be cool like the show had already been sold out so it's not like we even brought anything to the table like we were (laughs) (laughs) like we we were we were local support but we weren't even like supporting anything yeah we were just there (laughs) 
I'm just happy to be there. Um, you know, and 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 mind you, like you know, like Ivan was super super nice. Like at one point, he actually he like yeah. went into the crowd and he told us he went into the crowd because he wanted to like experience yeah. what it was like to watch us. As an He's audience not member, he does that. Hey, uh, Ivan is a music fan first. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing is like we had like we had opened for a number of people at that venue who had successes lesser than like what what you know Ivan and Connor have done, and yeah. who who treated us with less respect than they did. Like yeah. he, they were so mm-hmm. respectful and so I kind and yep. supportive. Um, hell, like even like invited us out to parties while we were you know while we were here. But yeah, jo- Joe, I was scared of, and then I bumped mm-hmm. into him at a Sinatra concert in Los Angeles, and he was like, "Oh hey, buddy, like what's up?" And I'm like, "Oh hey, hey man." You guys meet so many people on the road, and you remember little old me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was like, but mm-hmm. it was also just that like it was like the hey buddy, like it was like the the fact that he like I he, you're yeah. right, like he he's a very big guy. He looks like he will throw you out of a club, and I'm sure he's had to use that. I mean, he definitely will. Yeah, like, you know, like I'm like, sure he's he had to like will. put his foot down on, on stuff. But like, he is also yeah. we like hike together. Like, he is one of the mm. nicest people and one of the most caring and like like honest people um, I've, I've met out here. And then yeah, like like we we went on a hike and there was there was a rattlesnake and I was so scared and he was like he I I froze up and he was just like listen. You can stay like, like like you can just like focus on this rattlesnake and worry about getting bit and like all oh, whatever, or you can ignore it and just keep walking. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna keep walking. But if I get bit by a rattlesnake, you are right, stuck in the venom, my guy. God. Damn. All right. <laughs> anyway, I'll, also say, Joe, Joe and I have have, have had uh, have had life or death experiences. But um, no, I, I love the song that you you did with with Brass Jacks. How did that yeah, relationship come to be? I'm not actually, I don't actually remember how the relationship came to be, but I know that they knew that I was a fan, again, from like the SoundCloud days. I'm probably just like butchering some of the stories because that one is hitting, but I really, really liked what they were doing because I respected that they had like a thing. They took that, like the brass thing and just like made it work. And you know what I'm saying? Because like the average person doesn't really think about horns and stuff. And especially when they think about jazz and especially when they think about like R&B and popular music and all that stuff. So they just really created a unique formula and like a really cool thing. Yeah, I uh, went up and I think that song was done in like two sessions. Most of the song was done. I wrote every just about everything in one hit. I was really bummed over a breakup and I was really that was actually me trying to get through a breakup which is funny because I rarely write about breakups actually most stuff is just like about stuff that didn't happen or stuff that I'm I, I can say most of my work is fiction honestly hmm. but I feel like I mostly write about breakups because that's the, like the thing that's most present on my mind whenever I'm writing in yeah. that space like I have a hard I time I never think about that stuff unless I'm really 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 hurt and I also have this thing where I like I don't like to write about the same thing twice oh um, which I know is an imposed difficulty for no reason. No, for, for me, it's podcast. like I like writing about the same thing to find the different angles, you know, to find like the different things that kind of make it come like like the different sides to the story. But, like, mm. uh, you know, every every writer is different. You know, like that's the that's yeah. the fun of this thing. But, yeah, they they were really, really gracious. And I, I, I don't recall. I don't remember if they were there, it was them or myself who reached out first. But, yeah, we got together and it was basically in Connor's. Uh, excuse me, not Connor's, but in Ivan's um, room. We first tried to write at a studio at like the Warner building, I think. But sometimes you go to the studios and like they don't have the stuff you need. Mm-hmm. So like an ox Ivan cord. was just like, <laughs> like an ox cord. Yeah, spoken <laughs> from true experience there for sure. Uh, we got there, we had some trouble and then we were just like, let's just go back to Ivan's house. So he ended up just traveling back to Ivan's house. This and is in New York. Sinatra lives with him. Yeah, this is in New York. 
Sinatra lives with them. Uh, I think Barbara was over. Father Dude is like up the street. So it basically hmm. was just like this cool thing where everybody came over and we were kicking it. It was like an episode of Sesame Street where everybody was making cameos <laughs> and stuff. You know, we're all hanging at Mr. Hooper's store <laughs> and, you know, everybody makes it. Wow, Mr. Hooper, that's how old I am. <laughs> but people are making cameos and stuff. So, but it was, it was a really beautiful experience. I remember thinking like, because, you know, I was, I personally was a little starstruck because I knew their work through, through the work. I didn't know them as people. I knew my perception of them. I didn't know them. You know what I'm saying? And then, um, I got there and they were really supportive and they're really cool. And we basically wrote the whole song in that one sitting in those couple hours. And then there was another session where we came back and kind of cleaned things up. But yeah, shout out to them because, and and also to producers who can create a situation that's comfortable enough for people to feel like they can go where they need to go, you know, because I was pretty hurt about whatever was going on at the time. So, well, that's what I think is so so special about them is that they like, on the, on the one hand, they have made some like cultural, like, changes like they i mean that that we we're talking about the brass sound like like ivan's yeah. trumpet sound is like wholeheartedly his sound like you you could hear it anywhere like you know like what it is like you know it's mixed a very specific way it's yeah. a very specific thing and th- that they've honed and you know not like obviously they got like the grammy for chance and stuff but they've also been because of all their collaborations and the way that they've mm-hmm. let that sort of scene and that community that they've been a part of rise up together like they've had such an influence on an entire genre or and, and subgenre of music, which is so crazy. Correct. And yet, with all of that said, Ivan is really good at like making you feel comfortable, like at like downplaying at being a person. At just being yeah. a person. Yeah. Just like being <laughs> being funny yeah. and fun and like not letting like all of that, you know, all that stuff. It was humble. Humble. Yeah. yeah. He's humble. They're they're humble about it, but they also they're not gonna sit there and pretend like they didn't do the stuff that they did. Yeah. You no, they they work fucking hard and it shows, you know, like the yeah. proof is just in it. And so what you know, when we saw you guys like, you know, working together, it was like a cool sort of cladding of words. And I don't like we're we're not like super like close like we had this, you know, one experience in Boston and like, you know, then yeah. a couple run-ins in Los Angeles, but just like between Joe and just sort of their their influence on like the people around us, it's just You, you are know, the company you keep. Yeah, yeah you know, you, you you get a vibe for like who these people are, and and yeah, your song is slams. Like your song is just a cruiser, a cruiser, a crusher. What was I looking for? <laughs> a killer. Freaking a, a cruiser. It's a slammer. It's a real slammer. A real knee slapper. It's real heat. It's real heat. <laughs> Top you know? down, hair out, freaking cruiser. It's a cruiser. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you, you you just put out your debut record, Surfacing. Yes, indeed. What I love about the record mm-hmm. is that you what ties everything together is you. It's you, the way you write. It's the way, like the way your voice hits certain things. But because of that, you get to play around with like genre convention. You get to slide between R and B and like hip hop elements and like like pop and everything. Like you get to go to places that you know I feel like other artists tend to avoid uh, because of the fact that what unifies it is like the soul that's behind it. Um, mm. Do you have like a favorite song on the record or or a song that kind of like like made the the record come alive for you? I don't. I think this is the stereotypical hashtag artist guy answer, but <laughs> I mean, they're all different sides of the same diamond. You know what I'm saying? They're all different uh, facets of the same person. I can say that there are, there are certain parts of it that um, I enjoy when I'm in certain moods and there are th- certain things that communicate to me in ways that I find myself going back to more. But I wouldn't say that I have a like a favorite personally, but 
I can I can definitely say that. Um, and you'll see this again in some of the track by tracks that I'm putting out. Plug 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 plug. plug, plug, plug. <laughs> and that uh, middle of the night and surfacing are kind of the nucleus around which everything else orbits. But no, nah, I wouldn't say a favorite. I, I think one of the ones that stood out for me, and, and also the video is so striking, was uh, "Boys Should Never Cry." Boys should never cry. Keep it all inside. Never cross that line Boys should never cry Oh man, yeah. I mean, you hear some of that Bon Iver love in there, but like there's something about the way you blend like that really heavy, gritty vocoder with yeah. like a very like pencil thin, airy like verse, which is falsetto. just, yeah, falsetto. Mm. Like it's just so yeah, that contrast nice. is very important there. Yeah, that's that's the next track, track, track that's going to come out. That contrast is very important. I don't I don't have any problems with Bon Iver, but for some, it just doesn't. Um, I'm actually not, I don't really listen to that music a lot. Um, I have to say for Emma forever ago, I really, really loved and the blood bank EP, but I think I just like fell off at that point. I think I just kind of missed the boat from that point out. But, um, I get that comparison a lot and it is flattering because young Justin Vernon is a God. What I like about that song too, is that, you know, as much as like, I, I, I wish that this was talked about more, the message of the song is really important. I mean, there is mm, so much yeah. to be said about like, like how so many problems with how men uh, interact with society comes from the fact that they can't actually, they don't feel um, like it's appropriate to express themselves and, and the way that they're feeling uh, and especially be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think just having a song that is that is like cool and vibey, but also very gritty and intense um, to talk about yeah, that subject. Yeah, I like cool. that. It kind of, it's. A, I love that it surprises you. That's why like- <laughs> I'm not going to name that person, but there was a certain person on who was uh, helping me kind of select songs for the record that was like, you cannot say pussy or bitch in a song <laughs> and expect us to do anything with it. Is, you know, and I was just like, no, man, like it's the fact that you are reacting that way is what makes me know that the song's intention was successful. Yeah. Because you know, those are the words we're called. Those are the words you're called for feeling those ways. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah that's one side of it. And the other side of it is like it's gonna shock you out of the like it's the beginning of the second verse. Like it's not subtle. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna shock you out of the um how sweet and kind of sa- almost saccharine the environment is. The musical environment, I think. So yeah. Well, so cool. the, the funny thing about yeah. that is, too, is that th- those are words that are not necessarily alien to the realm of music. Like you hear them all the time in like in hip hop records ding, 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 and, 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 and in other like kind of records in a certain yep. context. But there's something about putting them front mm-hmm, and center mm-hmm. in a song like that, that like, yeah, it mm-hmm, jars you. Mm-hmm. It jars you. I mean, like, whoa, like that. I'm really, not rapping them. So it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's like self-reflectively. Yeah. Like like echoing offensive language as opposed to just referring to, you know, like, like, again, you, you hear that stuff in hip hop, you hear that, whatever, but it's referring to something different. This is used as a weapon. Like these are the words that are used as the weapon in uh, avoiding vulnerability. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a powerful, yeah. it's a powerful song. Yeah. I don't know. I was speaking on it. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and you're doing, it's nice to know you're doing like a sort of track by track breakdown of stuff too. Cause, cause we could, we could dive into each song here, but I feel like, you know, <laughs> yeah. plug, 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 yeah. let you, 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 you got that, Six you know, hours later. you know, um, <laughs> though I also, uh, how this feels also really, really strikes me. And, and also the visuals mm. around the record are just so, 
I mean, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's intense, yeah. man. It's intense. Yeah, it was sick. One of my favorite things about that, too, just a side note, was like, I so I uh, put out this record with Island Records and who have been nothing but supportive. And I remember walking in because I have like a, 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 a list. I have a, a Google Drive that I keep of just ideas whenever I get them of like um, visuals of, you know, concepts or whatever. I just add to it whenever I think about it, just so I can keep them and come back to you later. And when we were conceptualizing videos, I already kind of had a treatment sort of written up. Or the beginnings of one. I hadn't like hey, you're a film guy. That's just how it goes. Yeah, but I hadn't I hadn't like storyboarded or anything yet. But I basically had a um, like a whole you know a synopsis, some some acts, whatever. And I remember walking in there with the president of the company, Darkest Beast, whose name sounds medieval. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're in there talking, and I'm like, so at the end, I want to blow up a car. <laughs> And I'm like a new signee, like I had one song kind of do well. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? And, and I remember, shout out, I love my management, shout out to them, where they were like, maybe don't. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. <laughs> and, and so I walked in. Eric Wong, who is, I think, the CEO, one of the higher ups, and Latrice, who's another one of the higher ups. We're all sitting in a room together, and I'm like, I want to blow up a car, stone faced, dead faced, unironically. And they're like, Okay, cool. They're like, oh, j- just one car? <laughs> oh, just one? And I was like, uh, all right. Okay, I'm just going to back out of the room before you guys change your mind. <laughs> you know? Uh, who did, yeah, um, that was, who did the that was great. computer uh, like graphics for Boy Should Never Cry? Boy Should Never Cry? This dude, oh, I'm the worst. I'm forgetting his actual name. I only know his Instagram name. Shout out to being a millennial. Millennial. It is C-L-G-E-F-X. Dude is like an amazing um, computer, uh, 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 just an animator. Like he does animations for Apex Legends. Oh, that's cool. Um, He does the CS, he makes skins for CSGO. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Do you have a favorite lyric from Surfacing? Like, is there a lyric that, because we were talking about, we've been talking about lyrics this whole time. Is there a lyric that really stands out for you? Do I have a favorite lyric? I mean, again, it's it's hard to ask me to like, it's, I, I guess it's hard to, it's hard to do that because they're so, they're also tied to like different places in my life. Circles is so much about my hometown and that's why I had Chris on it. Um, Boy Should Never Cry is such a formative, about formative experiences for me. Uh, what If I is like probably the, one of the darkest songs I, I feel like I've ever, ever, I've ever put out, uh, you know, questioning God, brushes with suicide, like, you know, shit like that. Um, how this feels is about like a really, really real life thing, you know, but actually I'm going to, I'm going to stop being, I'm going to stop being that guy and just actually answer the question. The first, the first thing that popped into my head um, when you asked that question was, I don't want to spend my twenties tired, drunk and alone, justifying why I keep you all up all night on the phone. I know I say it's cause I love to hear the sound of your voice, but it's more accurate to say it's just more clear than the noise Then I can always kind of hear it in spite of all that I do It's television static playing from another. And, and also fun fact, that's a, that's another national reference, which no one will literally ever get <laughs> the television static thing. It's a reference literally to that line you talked about earlier to the, um, I was a television version. Of oh, the yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it's television static playing loud from another room to which I've never found the door to go and just turn it off. But I can never stop looking for it. I'm making a choice. I don't want to spend my 20s tired, drunk and alone. Justifying why I keep you up all night on the phone. I know I say it's because I love to hear the sound of your voice. 
But it's more accurate to say it's just more clear than the noise That I can always kinda hear in spite of all that I do It's television static playing loud from another room To which I've never found the door to go and just turn it off So I can never stop looking for it I'm making a choice First, yeah. um, like angel part of it is the first thing that that jumped in my head because I feel like it's like a, it's a prologue. It's setting the scene. It's like this is gonna get really dark, but it's supposed to be optimistic in the end. <clears throat> that's 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 yeah. awesome. That's like yeah. Uh, also, your your delivery. Like, have you ever done slam poetry? Like, you you're on that shit. Mm, no, I didn't. Because and and this is the thing. This is another thing that maybe kind of offends people, but I don't like that cadence that a lot of poets do. That's I don't fair. like the way that this thing. Here, where they're talking like this, and are you, uh, are you William Shatner, or are you just doing that for effect? <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. I don't. I think it. I think it undermines kind of some of the. the I don't know. It's maybe I just don't understand the medium well enough. I don't know because that's how I felt about John Mulaney first. I thought it was just like this was just fucking boring stick figure. This guy's really <laughs> dumb. But then I then I started to understand like that it's like really high level like absurdist kind of satire. So maybe I just maybe in a year I'll say I'll look back on this podcast and cringe. But well, I, I feel like slam yeah. poetry is one of those like genre things where it's like you know there are people who chalk mm-hmm. up like hip hop or or country or whatever mm-hmm. as a genre without sort of diving into like oh certain people deliver it like this but other people deliver it like this like you know and yeah. and I I I started kind of in a in a slam poetry space and because of that like I I also hate that cadence like I've always thought it's a bit ridiculous mm-hmm. and I also felt like that was a crutch for having lines that actually didn't necessarily work yeah. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it's been more uh, like an exploration and in, like internal rhyme scheme as well as like delivery. And so the more conversational I can have it, like that, that it happens to rhyme, but you don't really pay attention to it. Like it's that this sort of like mm-hmm. conversational. I don't know. You have a good. You have a good voice for it. But you know, you got a good voice for anything. That's why you. Uh, that's why you got it. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Are you my that's why they mother? pay the big bucks. What are you? <laughs> Jesus, I love it. Are you ready for the question are round? Are you ready for the question round? Oh, yes, yes. So let's do it. Okay, let's let's hit it. Lightning round. Whoopsh, whoopsh. Lightning coming this summer. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so good. <laughs> you should do trailers. I'd love to. You should do early uh, 2000s yeah, movie trailers. Give me a movie. Give me a movie. I'll do it. That'll be my first lightning round. Give me a movie and I'll come up with something. Give me a concept. Uh, sure. Oh, <laughs> like a, a movie that already came out or like a concept for a movie? No, anything. It doesn't matter. And I'll do the movie phone voice introduction for it. Give it a shot. Let's improvise this. <laughs> a movie about two people uh, trapped in an elevator and they fall in love. Yes. Coming this summer to a theater near you. Two people who don't know each other between the floors four and five. Honey, uh, I, don't, I can't do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't okay. do it all. Uh, uh, hey, uh, so uh, what's your name? Uh, do you come here often? And the and the, it's maybe a woman who's worked in an office and is known as being relatively timid. Hey, uh, do you come here really often? <laughs> and a man who's very uh, much a Capricorn and is very <laughs> <laughs> and is very stiff and uh, hard to get to know. No, of course I don't come here very often. We're stuck in an elevator. <laughs> And the story of the two of them falling in love. The voice I'm doing is way too serious. It's, it's way <laughs> know, more a buddy it. comedy. It's way, it's, I'm going action and it's <laughs> way more buddy comedy. <laughs> it's way more love actually. It's way more love actually than, than gets with the chopper, you know? 
This is going too long. Let's do questions. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First question. Uh, what is your phone background? It's uh, Frank Ocean. It's um, him. It's like a um, an overlay of him covering his face from the Blonde album, but it's like a city street on him. Actually, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. That was the old one. It's actually, let me see. Yeah, it's a picture I took of Yayoi Kusama's um, exhibit at the Broad of the Infinity Mirror exhibit. Oh, yeah. But I also hear that she's wild racist. Oh, really? So that kind of <laughs> oh, hurts me. That's feelings. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, trash. But, you know, art from the artist, I don't know. That's another podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Next question. Do you have, I mean, we've kind of gone into this in, at length, but do you have a non-musical hobby other than the five mentioned thus far? Other than the bajillion that we've talked about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, language. I like words a lot. I like talking uh, talking about words and thinking about words and their meanings and especially their archaic meanings. A thing that I just found out about is contronyms. Are you, are you guys familiar with contronyms? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> So contronym is a word that means its exact opposite. Oh. Which is so weird. Like how cleave means to to separate, but also to join together. Perfect example. Excellent. You are literally the first person. Wow, this guy, big brain. This guy, this is the first time that anyone's ever actually known that one. Or like to dust something is to like Uh, get dust off of it or to put dust onto it. Do you have any skills that you would like to have? I'd like to be better socially, honestly. I don't think I'm very friendly. (laughs) <laughs> but I uh, I have two hours oh, of wait. content to disagree with you but <laughs> I mean it is what it is I mean well you also don't live in my head 24-7 so fair play <laughs> but yeah I think I, I think I'd be more social if I could what it, what would you say is your superpower uh, specificity I think could you specify <laughs> no I'm ah, ooh well done ooh that just ooh that ooh I love that um <laughs> That Jeff Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh I just have a, a real predilection towards being specific and and trying to be very, very clear. And I think I really, really go out of my way to try to be very, very clear. Now that I do also believe that that leads me to not understand implications sometimes. And that's why yeah. that that's a callback to me wanting to be better socially. But um, I don't know, maybe all this shit is just shit that I've made up in my head, like everything is. So that's fair. And on that note, would you be a pirate? of course i'd be a pirate (laughs) he's got the voice down of course he would (laughs) i'd love to get me some booty yeah 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 what what would my pirate name be (laughs) i do have a black beard but you know that guy's yeah yeah, i guess so maybe i'd dye it and be like green beard or something like that i don't like birds though i really don't like birds I wouldn't have a like a toucan on the shoulder, a parrot or something. You have a monkey. But that's a that's a perfectly viable pet. Monkeys like to throw poop at things. I'm good. <laughs> what about like a cat? You, you like, like cats? That. Oh, absolute cat. Perfect. Oh my god, I would totally be a cat pirate. Cat oh, pirate. Cat I like that. Cat. Yeah, I have a little like a Maine Coon on my shoulder. That's just like wild, mean. Looks like a wolf. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ooh, his name be like Winston or something. <laughs> wild wise or something. Hell yeah! Yeah, you, you you're you'll be famous for that one time you had a a battle and somebody uh, sliced your eye and so you got like a nasty you know nasty wound on on your face <laughs> and you'll be Scarlamar the pirate. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> nice. The callback. <laughs> Masterful. Bring well it done. back. <laughs> well done. But yeah, that's it. Uh, do you have any <laughs> tattoos? I do have two tattoos. Yes, I have one. 
Wow, we were just talking about uh, Paramore and Haley Williams. Wow. Um, I have one that is on my left arm that says right now. Um, it's parentheticals because I wanted it to be something that's insistent but kind of quiet. And then on the right arm, I got the word remember. Um, this was after a Paramore concert in um, – she. they'll never hear this, so this isn't embarrassing. <laughs> um, maybe they will. Who cares? Well, it's true. I'm not embarrassed about the truth of my life. Um, but – we were at Ry- the Ryman Auditorium, and it was with Chris Martiniago. We both grew up back in Florida together, and it was Paramore was just a really important thing to to both of us because we we're about the same age as everybody in the band. And I remember thinking, like, just growing up and wanting to be them, and seeing them kind of again giving me the words for things that I had was feeling in my life, and I didn't know, um, or I didn't know how to express. And it was just wild to be going on thirty and at a Paramore concert and hear them play that's what you get and get the same feeling I get when I was uh. I got when I was 15 but to also see the kids in the pit because I was I was I was back and I'm so washed I was <laughs> on the wall with all the parents you know yeah. like when you go to Warp Tour show, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the parents in the back with their arms crossed and it's like 10.30 p.m. and they're like, Jesus, can we <laughs> Two encore. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? But no, I loved Paramore just as, as much as anybody. But but we were in the balcony area and it was cool because we got to look down at and see all the kids in the pit. And I say kids meaning meaningfully because they were like 16 and 17 year olds reacting to like pool and ain't it fun mm. and all the new stuff. The same way that I reacted to the stuff that came out when I was the same way that I reacted to emergency or pressure or Mm. all that stuff. And seeing that generation, like it's about it was boundless of generation. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody in that room was was relating on the beauty and efficacy, I guess, of Paramore's work. Yeah. Whether it be the groove, which is amazing, frankly, uh, uh, for them, and or Haley's lyrics or the performance or whatever, I saw the kids in the pit behaving the same way that I behaved when I was 16, and it just made me feel so much hope about the state of music, about the state of saying honest and felt, heartfelt things have still having a place in the music industry today, you know? And I saw it with my own eyes. Like, you, it's not a story somebody told me. It's not like a, a hope. It's I saw it. I felt it. I was there, you know? And so literally, immediately, that concert let out. And then I found whatever tattoo shop was open. And I was like, I need to remember this moment. So I tattooed, <laughs> I literally tattooed the word remember on my arm. So that's amazing. Well, yeah, and that's the that's thing it. you, you, you know, and, and not to use the phrase lightning in a bottle again, but it's like, you saw what it meant to be a wow. legendary yeah. band. Like you got to see like, like, and just, I, I'm thinking as you were telling the story, I was remembering seeing them um, at Jones beach and they brought out the, mm. the couch from uh from like the the cover art of their first oh, record. Oh wow! From the cover art from that first record, yeah. Like yeah. I I just like I, but just re- remembering yeah. and just the fact that they have managed to stick the landing of coming into 2020 being a, a powerful, yeah. relevant, like like charged band that can resonate with any generation. It it feels like how people talk about and we're talking about you know Paramore in the same way that we talk about. The Who or the Beatles or whatever, like these are things that have will oh, have. Man, please let them be the fucking the Who of our generation. I need more windmill guitar playing. All right, <laughs> like they they have they have reached a legend like a legendary status. 
You know, they, they were in yeah. Guitar Hero, you know, like that's... Well, yeah, <laughs> where, where else do you go Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Yeah, and rock true. Band, yeah. <laughs> I think you could play as Haley mm-hmm. in one of the Guitar Heroes. Um, so that's yeah, the thing man. is like, you know, like you, you saw what it meant to for, for a band to become a, a legend. And I, I, I that resonates with me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what was the first concert you ever attended? First concert I ever attended was Coheed and Cambria and Russian Circles oh. at Janice Landing in St. Pete, Florida. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. I was a huge fan. Um, it was amazing. Do you remember the, the song, The Final Cut by them? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the encore because this was during Good Apollo on Burning Star 4. Oh. Uh, and yeah, it was, yeah, I know. <laughs> I really caught like, you're, we talking about lightning bottle. I know. Um, Yo, I had I the comic. Met, I had the comic he made. Like I was like. Oh, bro. I was on cobalt and calcium. Oh I, yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about cobalt and calcium. Stuff. Yep. I'm, we're talking message boards. I was obsessed. I was obsessed. <laughs> and I'm literally going to, I'm one of my next tattoos is actually probably going to be the keyword symbol. I'm probably, oh. I'm going to get like the keyword symbol. I'm going to get the foxhound symbol from Metal Gear Solid. I'm going to get probably the, um, the ship from Cowboy Bebop, um, and maybe the caster gun from um, Outlaw Star, but I don't know if I'll have enough room for any of that. But anyway, um, I had yeah, ha- I How Falls Your Pen, Young the- Writing Writer on my wall at my home. Like I wrote it in Sharpie, like How Falls Your Pen, Young Writing Writer, the, uh, like when the wow. bike was all condescending. I remember um, my mother asking me once if something was wrong because I was in the um, shower loudly singing, pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. Pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. <laughs> I was like, well, I appreciate your concern, but like, no, but like, maybe, I don't know. Um, I saw them open for yeah. Lincoln Park. That was a lightning in the bottle show at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. You know, God, RIP to the God Chester Bennington, oh, but I oh. never saw them. I never, ever got to see them. And that's a great regard of mine. Uh, there are some bands that I, I truly, truly, truly was like brokenhearted when they broke up. It was the Mars Volta, oh, yeah. the Fall of Troy, and My Chemical Romance, and also the Receiving and a Sirens. I was really, really upset about all of those. Yeah, that was the first show I ever went to. Um, and a uh, fun fact about that show was when they played the final cut, each member had came, uh, 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 they would leave the stage during their solo. And they left, this was, I think Josh Eppard was the drummer at the time before they got the guy from Diligent Escape Plan. And Josh was playing his solo and a PA, like a person in a black, sh- uh, like a stagehand came out and put on, while he was drumming, like a piece of stormtrooper armor <laughs> on his arms. And then each member of the band came back out, like Mike Todd, the old bassist, Travis Steer, the guitar player, and uh, Claudio. They each came back out with a different piece of stormtrooper armor on <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> and Claudio came out with the helmet on and his hair was poking out of the bottom. Oh my and God. It was ridiculous. Amazing. And they killed all their solos. And you know how the, the final cut is already like seven and a half yeah. minutes. It <laughs> so was like a 16 minute rush <laughs> opus. I couldn't have been more, I couldn't have been more happy. I was stoked. <laughs> this is no beginning. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I need it. Oh, I love it. Rub it on my face. Yeah, You know, I, I don't think I would have ever made the connection outside of having this conversation, but you can definitely hear a Coheed and Cambria influence on your music. The way that you go yeah. up to those some, not like, listen, well, will you marry me? Like, like you can yeah. translate that. You can I find like the thread in any Lamar song. Yeah, yeah Claudio's an insane vocalist. I definitely got that from them. Also his riff uh, writing, like the guitar riffs and all uh, the Coheed and Cambria stuff, like yeah. that's like, 
pop as hell. Like it's all so good. Yeah. I can feel it in the way your blood and your blood is cold. It's the thing that you already know. Is it in the way your body moves? This one, um, uh. Oh. Oh. I fed the clues <laughs> of a lost day killed in motion. Oh. Like, oh. Uh, oh, come on, Brody. I just get your heart pumping. But also, oh, the next record, too, like, right now, hide your feathers on the back porch, baby. Gone enough for you. Been such a I mean, I, like, yeah. around that time, they were writing like choruses that could have competed with the pop choruses. Like they were writing yeah, they choruses. Were writing, wildly writing radio choruses yeah. in in a universe that they completely made up. Yeah. And, like, will relate to nobody. <laughs> around a time so where cool. pop didn't even know what they wanted out of their own sound. Like I feel like around the time that Cody and Cambria was like having their, their time, like pop music was trying to figure out what like the post-Britney era, pre post-Britney pre-Katy Perry, Ariana Grande era of pop music was going to be. Mm. And you had Linkin Park and Cody and Cambria filling in the blanks and Paramore filling in the I blanks. I was too absorbed in all that new metal and all I, I didn't know anything about the pop at the time, to be honest. I was so un, like not well-versed in that stuff. I wanted to be in bands. I didn't, I wanted to, I wanted to be on Warped Tour. I wanted a, a, a Crush amp and an LTD guitar. I didn't, <laughs> You know, I, I, mean, I wanted I that too, but I was a piano player, so my heart broke. Like, I mm. remember just being so upset that I couldn't play, like, these heavy songs on the piano. <laughs> yeah, I was a broke kid from the ghetto, so I just started learning. I, I didn't have no I didn't have no money for a guitar. Ain't nobody buy me a guitar. I literally asked my father to buy me a guitar once when I lived with him when I was 14. He laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my own job, and I bought my own guitar. But that that was yeah. um, all classical stuff, though, but um at, at the beginning but yeah coheed was a really big deal for me and and also some of the words i pronounce some people are like why do you say that weirdly and i definitely think that's a coheed thing yeah. do you remember the light in the glass do you remember that song slowly the pen touches paper on the line and the words that you write no okay anyway well there's a song later in the song that he goes you'll leave the light on a <laughs> and that word is supposed to be while you'll be the you'll leave the light on a while and he pres- and he sings <laughs> like i fucking love this i don't know why he does that but i fucking love it i first started singing along to like like when i mm. first like really kind of committed to like being like singing uh the songs i would sing along to were the fray and isaac slade isaac hayes isaac clark mm. uh isaac slade <laughs> Um, he would pronounce things so weirdly to the point where now I feel like I also pronounce things weirdly because that was how I learned to sing some of those vowels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, jump. Come on, need you know, that. Sorry, your, I'm your, in my your brain. quarantine project could be uh, like an R. Lamar cover record of Cody and Cambria. Of good, good apology, just, just you cover know what's all funny of is, apology. and the reason why I had this tune to um to drop D. The reason why I had this tune to drop D is because I was playing this song earlier. So I have been going through a thing where I'm trying to find and play songs that that like really comforted me, comforted me when I was younger, when like music was, there was no like industry and all the money and all that bullshit involved. And it was truly just the love. And it was this song. See if you can recognize this one. 
We'll call it. We'll call it. Good Apollo on Burning Star for Fear Through the Eyes of Our Lamar. From Fear Through the Eyes of Our Lamar. <laughs> wow, my man, you need to work in marketing because you you got some missed opportunities here. <laughs> I got you, man. This song. Oh shit! Oh my god! Wow! Oh. Damn! Nick as we came. Talk about. Yeah. Talk about. Yeah. Man. That's like. That is like responsible for like I would say sixty percent of how I play guitar. Just naked as we came. Yeah. And boy with a coin. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, boy with a coin was really was really really great. Half moon off the off that other. Can't see nothing in this half moon. Oh. Lay me down if I should lose you. So beautiful. Oh, I, anyway, I loved Iron um, Wine. Yeah, so I've been I've been going back through and doing that stuff, and I think I'm I'm definitely uh, involving myself in YouTube more and and creating more uh, covers and stuff like that because, frankly, that's what people seem to want to see. And also, I like have a ton of covers just because I learned a bunch of stuff because I spent a lot of time by myself when I was a kid. So I think I, I will be doing a series of going back to that. So yeah, serendipitous that you bring that up. It's weird. Pl- it's plug, plug, plug. It. You might be yeah. already doing it by the time this comes out. So I, yeah. uh, I'm looking for it. <laughs> oh, they'll probably already be released. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a scar with a story? I have a few. There's a, there's a scar on my left leg, like right next to my, it basically runs down my calf. It's actually healed pretty, pretty well now, but there was this dog in the neighborhood where I used to where I live back in Pine Village. My sister will know exactly what I'm talking about back in Bradenton. And there's a dog across the street. And there was this other three-legged dog, this black dog that nobody owned, but it just would like come and visit us at the bus stop. We were like elementary school. It would come and visit us and just be like really nice. And we like, it was like, I think it was a black lab. I feel like it was black. I don't remember completely, but we'd pet it and it was all really, really nice, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the dog from across the street got out and like attacked it. I saw it, ran over and like was fighting with the dog and the dog clamped down on my left leg behind my knee here. And I remember trying to kick it off and the two, the teeth literally just like dragged down my leg. Mm, And so like, it was just like this disgusting, like gross, big open gash and it was terrible. And, And I have a scar from that, but I didn't go to the hospital or anything like that, but I had a scar from it. Um, and it's really actually healed up pretty well over the years, but from the dog's point of view, that was attack on Titan. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, I didn't eat the dog. (laughs) (laughs) I just fought it off from the other dog, but yeah. Damn. All right. Fun question. What are three thoughts you have at this moment? Lightning round. Three thoughts that I'm currently having. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I drank a little bit, a little bit too much wine. One. (laughs) <laughs> two i should probably go cook because i haven't eaten all day because i woke up late which i always forget to do uh, about eating I feel. and three there is a group text that keeps popping up on my screen here and i am currently thinking about how much group texts fucking stress me the fuck out <laughs> very true because like i don't want to because if i leave the group text because i don't want to talk it's going to tell everybody and they're going to take it like I don't like them, but it's not that I don't like you guys. It's just that I can't communicate with 16 people at the same time and my notifications. And if I put it on do not disturb, I forget. But if I'm in the, the group chat and I don't respond, people are going to think that I'm an asshole because I'm just not saying anything. <laughs> but they're talking about doing a wine happy hour for quarantine, but I already drank too much wine. <laughs> but I hate Zoom because it downscales your audio and it's terrible. But why don't we use OBS? But then everybody else would have to learn how to use OBS. And I just, you know what I mean? I just, I don't want to, I just... 
So I just don't answer. I just am not going to answer. I'm good. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Uh, Big amazing is not the word I choose, but I'm glad you got something from it. <laughs> and lastly, what are you most excited for? What am I most excited for? Wow, the jury, uh, hung jury on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, wow. Wow, is it sad that I don't think about things that I'm excited about? I don't know. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about it, I am excited for, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate to use the word excitement about anything that's happening in my life. Maybe optimistic. I'm certainly optimistic about certain things. Um, about what are you looking forward to? Because excitement's a lot, but I mean, just. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm having trouble filling in that blank. I don't know. Maybe something, something in me, maybe it's just because my sleep's capable. I, and I, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to. Uh, bring that across as almost as if I, there's nothing good in my life. There's nothing to be thankful for. There's something to be excited about. But I'm just asking myself the question that you asked me, what are you currently excited about? And currently at this moment, uh, 6.54 p.m. Uh, April 8th of 2020, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't feel anything. Nothing popped into my brain when you asked me that question. But there are certain things I'm optimistic about. There's certain things I'm pessimistic about. There's things that I'm sad about. There's things that I'm thinking are good that I'm seeing changes in the world as far as this COVID stuff goes, um, which we thankfully avoided talking about the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of nice. We've been in it long enough. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Sorry. But, but no, but it's okay. But like with, with the COVID stuff, it does feel like because we there's so much uncertainty around it and so much like uh, confusion about what this means for touring, what this means for uh, like music, but also means for our personal lives. Like what kind of loss could we potentially be experiencing? What kind of um, uh, transformations could we potentially experience and who will we be when we come out of this thing? Th those are big question marks yeah. that I don't necessarily, like I, that, that pop into my head, but I try to sort of like avoid thinking about, but I do, I do feel like when I, when I say when, like, what are you looking forward to? Obviously I'm looking forward to like the sort of end of this thing, but it's also very hard to like know what that's going to look like. And I, I get that. I, do, I totally... I don't think it's our job to even know what it's going to look like. I don't think it's our job to deposit yeah. that stuff because all it's going to do is make you observe the, the the gap between whatever that ideal is and whatever our real life is, you know? And that for me is where all my anxiety and like whatever that stuff like it's really starts to get bad. But I think... And, I, and again, I'm going to say this again, just to make sure that I'm saying it. I don't mean to posit that as if there's nothing to be excited about. The only thing I think I'm thinking and the reason I don't know is because I just am taking it like kind of day by day. My sleep schedule is terrible. I've legitimately seen the sunrise for the past like five or six Us days. Too, yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm just taking uh, victories as they come. And I want to um, live again. Live in the moment. No, but wow. there's so much like I'm gonna start a boho blog. <laughs> no, that, that's the thing is that there's so much to be said about trying to make every day kind mm. of like be meaningful or just let every make day every day be every day. Yeah, not and not thinking about what the end of mm. this is or what the plans are or whatever. I'm a planner and I've had mm. to like sort of stop myself. I'm from, a chronic planner. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been hard. It, it's been nice because on the one hand, I get to chase the high of making new plans because all these plans have gone awry. But on the other hand, like if I think mm. about anything more than today, I tend to get overwhelmed. But, but no, with that said, like one of the things I am looking forward to is, is finding mm -hmm. whatever is 
at the end of the thread that I've been pulling as far as like yeah. what what actually feels satisfying and meaningful to spend each day. And yeah. we were talking about it at the beginning of this podcast, like if that's television, if that's writing, if that's poetry, if that's um, yeah. video games, then I'm really grateful to have this time to figure that out because, um, you know, and, and if it also means music, if it means getting excited about songs yeah. or even putting out songs that we wouldn't have necessarily have like paid attention to because we were so busy, then yeah. I am looking forward to seeing what's at the end of that thread, even if the actual act of pulling it is going to be a day by day process. Oh, that was <laughs> such a lovely, optimistic, I love it. It's beautiful. I think you're, I think it's right. And I'm absorbing. I'm not, I'm not mocking, but I'm absorbing. it. I agree. I think, um, I feel the same if, if those, I, a beautiful thing about this, it's unfortunate that it comes at the expense of public safety and sometimes people's lives, but in a certain sense, it feels like selfishly in a totally selfish sense. And I mean that in the the sense of the word that selfishness just means self-interest and self-preservation that it is an opportunity for me to like kind of dive back into Oh, what are things that I really like? What are things that I enjoy from a fan perspective? What are things that make me like, oh, this is why art is really beautiful and really useful. You know what I'm saying? And why really it's really, really essential. And I am at a point of a strange impasse with songs and songwriting right now. But spending the time with my other interests allows me to, I'm hoping that it's going to allow me to be truthful about my intention as far as songwriting. Because... I would love to come back to the songwritings because and writing and, and pushing forward because I'm like, oh no, this is a service industry. This is bigger than me. And I truly believe that again. And I truly need to contribute. I need to put something into the Pantheon and not for the reason specifically that it's just me talking about things that I think are important because I have the ability to. It's not just about me. You know what I mean? And I'd like to get to that to that point, but I also know that I cannot. All I can do is kind of set the bed, you know, I can I can keep the room clean and in the hope that the feeling returns and wants to stay, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, um, and speaking from the, the point of view as RLMR fans, like we were stoked when you walked in the room back in Nashville. But there is, yeah. you know, there is an equivalence between like, you know, the way that you hit like the chorus of All Right, I'm All Right, and... And the way that you light up talking about Paramore or video games mm-hmm. or whatever, like th- those, Absolutely. those, those are the same. Like as as an observer and as like somebody sort of absorbing stuff, that is the same mm-hmm. feeling. We are watching like like unfettered like passion for something, and whether that's music or that's just passion. like that's that's the thing. So I, you know, like not that you need anybody to like say go ahead do it, but like you're not giving up anything. I think by exploring those things because I think they're one and the same. Yeah. And I think that people will connect with with you getting stoked about like streaming and doing that. Yeah. I think people can tell, and that to be a fan of you or to be a fan of us or to be a fan of of anybody who's been on this show or or anything in general, it means recognizing what that passion is and what it looks like and connecting with it, you know, in that same yeah. same way. So, hey, power to you. You know, I really think you're onto something really nice here. Thank you. And likewise, I do. I take that. I see it. I receive it. And I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show, Reggie. This has been absolutely incredible. <sighs> Likewise, a breath of fresh air. These are things that I don't often get to talk uh, with people about that I think about with uh, some frequency. So I appreciate it. So. Well, and you're, you're welcome on whenever. So we, we hope to see you soon, buddy. Thank yeah. you so much. It's lit.
I feel like I'm surfacing I feel like I'm surfacing We would like to thank Alan C. for supporting Talking Lion on Patreon and Isotope. I'm like a, like an almond. Hmm.